Welcome back to another episode of Learn American English with this guy. I know there are a lot of English learning podcasts out there, and it means so much that you chose to listen to this one. If I could ask a favor from you, please leave a rating and a review. It really helps other people find the channel. Once again, thank you so much and enjoy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, for us to talk about ice, we need to get near some ice, which could be a little dangerous. There's a river over here, and since this English lesson is about ice, let's go see some ice. But, whoa. In this English lesson, you are going to learn at least 22 phrasal verbs or terms we use in English when talking about ice. But you also might see me slip and fall a little bit, which I almost did. It is quite icy. But before we get into the lesson, let's take a look at that sunset over there. All right, this could be a bad idea. I'm not exactly wearing the best shoes. I have my dad's shoes on, but I want to get down near the river. And this ramp is, pr is pretty slippery. Who knew being an English teacher was so dangerous? Right, the question is, can I get back up though? I didn't realize it would be so, oh gosh. Okay, ice. We're talking about ice today. And the first thing I wanna talk about is ice up and ice over. Two English phrasal verbs we use with ice as I make my way down this ramp. I think there's a, there's a side over here that isn't too icy and I don't think I will fall. So. I'm sure you all know what ice is. I've been walking on ice for the last two minutes. But we do have those phrasal verbs, ice up and ice over. Ice up. This is what we use when things start getting ice on it. For instance, we have something in English called freezing rain. I'm sure you know what rain is, but in English, Freezing rain is when it starts to rain. It's warm up in the sky. It's warm up in the clouds. But when the rain reaches the ground or 
trees or branches, it will start icing up. That means it gets ice on it and it could build up. That's another English phrasal verb we use, has nothing really to do with ice, but if something builds up, it gets thicker, it gets taller. And so something could ice up. Like if it was freezing rain out right now, those branches could start icing up. The roads could start icing up. My car, I just left my car. It could start icing up. Now ice over is a little bit different, which is why I want to get down to the river. Because you could use ice up and ice over interchangeably. You could. Hey, if it's freezing rain, you could say, whoa, those tree branches are starting to ice over. The road is starting to ice over and you would be fine. You could use it. But if you want to sound like a native English speaker, we use ice over when things are actually supposed to have ice on them. This river, I'm gonna make it. I'm almost there. This river, as you can see, a lot of it has ice, not all of it, but it's starting to ice over. It's starting to have ice at the edges of the river. It gets cold where I live. It's supposed to ice over. And that's what this river is doing. It's icing over. You see how that ice looks down there? We might say those are ice crystals on top of the ice. And I'm sure you know what ice is, but did you know that we actually have an adjective to use with ice? And it's icy. So the roads could be icy. That ramp right there is definitely icy. So when things start having ice on them, you can say they are icy. Another noun I would like to teach you using ice is icicle. You might see icicles hanging from houses in the winter, and I'll put a picture up of what an icicle is. Just to make sure you know what adjectives and nouns and verbs are, let's do a quick review. A noun, it's a thing. An adjective, it describes a noun. It gives a little bit more information about that thing and a verb is something you do. <sighs> Let's talk about two verbs and adjectives right here. I actually used one already. When I got out of my car, I slipped on the ice, slipped. It means when you're walking and your foot goes in a quick movement that you weren't expecting. So I just pretended, but that would be what it looked like if I was slipping. I just I just slipped. Now, the adjective, you can describe something as slippery. So that icy road up there can be slippery. It could cause you to slip. My hands are starting to get cold, so I am going to find a warmer place. Hopefully I can make it back up this hill without slipping.
Oh yeah, I found the sweet spot, but there's no light. But I can't walk backwards. That's too dangerous. Speaking of dangerous, I'm just recording this in case I slip because uh, I would make for... Okay, I just slipped again, but I didn't fall. So falling would be if I went all the way down to the ground. I thought I was the only one crazy enough to come down here, but there actually is a lady in that van and she's collecting sticks down there. Well, she's not in the van now. She's down there, but that van belongs to her. Okay, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm pretty safe. Um, they've, you know, one thing that helps if something is slippery or icy, those two things are almost the same word, pretty much. It's if you put sand down. Unfortunately, there's a lot of trash in this parking lot, but because of the sand, it's not so icy. And just in case you're wondering, why is that woman collecting sticks? She's going to make walking staffs out of them, and um, or walking sticks. I'll, I'll put a picture up of what a walking staff or a walking stick is. Nothing to do with ice, though. I think it's getting a little too dark to film outside. I'll finish the rest of this video tomorrow, and guess what? I think when I continue filming, there will be a lot more snow on the ground. We're supposed to get some snow overnight. All right, it's, it's the next day. Quite a, quite a difference, huh? We are getting a snowstorm, and it sounds like in the distance, there might be some sirens because it's slippery out. The roads are slippery. There may have been an accident. And I hope that uh, the sound is okay. I had to change the microphone because it is snowing quite a bit. I didn't want to get the microphone wet. It seems like there's more light. Eh, it's pretty dark. You hear the sirens? Hopefully you can. But we're talking about ice, even though we're getting snow today. Yesterday, I mentioned how a road might ice over. Another way you could say that, if you want, is the road is starting to glaze over. That means it's getting some ice on it. No ice, really. No ice, really, uh, on the roads, just a lot of snow. If there was ice, you probably wouldn't be able to see it anyways. It's easier to slip on ice if there's snow covering it. Uh-oh, looks like we might have a plow coming this way. Sounds like it. No, it's on the next street. Lots of noises here today. I just talked about glaze over. Um, now we're gonna get to my favorite part of the lesson and we're gonna talk about food here, even though we're still talking about ice. There's something called icing 
and glaze that can go on sweets like cakes or donuts. So icing is a type of decoration usually used for cakes and it just makes the cake look a little prettier and it tastes a lot sweeter. Glaze is a lot like the same thing, but it's just sugar and it's pretty clear. You can see right through it. We even have some donuts in the United States called glazed donuts. That's just when uh, they take some sugar, melted sugar, it's clear and they pour it over the donut. Really good stuff. Yeah, there's a plow on the other, other side of the, the street over there. And there's a plow right beside me too. One thing you have to worry about when the road starts to glaze over is black ice. You might hear that term sometimes. It's ice you can't see and it can often cause some accidents on the road. Another way you might hear glaze used is glazed over. We sometimes talk about people's eyes being glazed over. It's almost like there's a, a blank look on their face and you wanna wave your hand in front of their eyes. If someone has glazed over eyes, it could be they're very tired. Maybe they didn't get enough sleep the night before, or it could be that they're really bored. I hope your eyes are not glazing over with this English lesson. I hope you find it interesting. If you do, mind hitting that like button? Thanks. Lots of wind here today, lots of wind. We also have ice cubes. Those are square things that keep your drink cold, ice cubes. They're also chunks of ice or ice chunks. Those don't really have a square shape and you can find them pretty much anywhere. Maybe a, a river has frozen over there's another one we could would you could use there frozen over it's iced over it's glazed over means there's not as much ice but chunks of ice could be found in a frozen river or a partly frozen river they just don't have that square shape that ice cubes have if you go into a restaurant in the United States you could ask for some ice water and that is just water with ice cubes in it. But there are two different types of way we have ice in the United States. Crushed ice or cubed ice. So hopefully you already know what an ice cube is. That's just cubed ice is ice cubes in your drink. But you could have crushed ice. Crushed ice is smaller than cubed ice and it melts more quickly but it makes your drink colder more quickly I just said melt didn't I we have two verbs in English that we can use with ice melt and freeze freeze is when you have ice no sorry 
freeze is when you have water and it gets so cold that it turns to ice. Water freezes into ice. The opposite happens when ice melts. The ice will become water again when it melts. When ice gets warmer, it melts back into water. If you are looking for another English lesson with ice, I did an English lesson at an ice rink. Thanks for watching. See you next time. It looks like we have ourselves a little snowstorm today. And I thought this would be the perfect day to do a lesson outside, an English lesson to help you improve your English. And today we're going to do a deep dive on the word warm. And yeah, you may be thinking, why are you doing it on such a cold day? Well, surprisingly, I'm actually quite warm the way I'm dressed. And the first thing we should probably do for this English lesson on warm is define warm. Talk about what warm means. Hopefully you know cold and hopefully you know hot. Well, warm is somewhere in between, but a little closer to hot. The next thing we need to do is talk about a very difficult English phrasal verb we use with warm, and that is warm up. And what makes it so difficult is that we use warm up in four different ways. The first way we will use it is something you do before exercising, something you do maybe before playing a sport. So you try to get your muscles warm when you warm up so you don't get injured. You might start by doing a little jog. You might start by doing a little stretching, but warming up is very important before you exercise. Another way we use warm up is when you have been somewhere cold and then you go somewhere else to get warm. For instance, after this English lesson, I will go back inside and it will be warmer and there I will be warming up. This is me from the future, inside now, warming up by the fire. If you ever go skiing or ice skating, I mean, you have to do that in cold places. They might have a warming room for you where you can warm up, somewhere where you can go to get out of the cold. The weather is so bad out here, there aren't too many people walking and there aren't too many cars on the road. Another way we might use warm up in English is having something to do with being friendly. For instance, maybe there is a dog and that dog is shy, but once they get to know a person, they will start to warm up. They will start being more friendly. Oh, it looks like a, a plow is coming down the street. Let's look at that. Yeah, so if somebody is shy 
and they are uncomfortable around people when they first meet them, it might take them a while to warm up before they become totally friendly. Guess what? My friends in, in Russia, I know there are some people from Russia who are watching. Well, some people think that Russians, uh, it takes them a while for them to warm up to people. But I've heard once they become friends with you, they are really warm and friendly. Warm. So a couple other ways we use it with being friendly is you could give someone a warm smile or maybe you give them a warm hug. And the last way we use warm up is my favorite because that's the way we use it with food. Let's say you go to a restaurant and you don't finish your entire meal. You could take some of that food home and we call those leftovers. <coughs> Excuse me. As I choke on a snowflake. Yeah, we call those things leftovers, the things that you take home, the food that you didn't eat. And maybe the next day you want to eat it. So you might warm it up in the oven or you might warm it up in a microwave. Another way you might hear warm in English and luckily you don't hear it that often, but it's with leg warmers. Back in the 1980s in the United States, a lot of people, mostly women, wore leg warmers when they exercised or maybe just as a fashion statement. Leg warmers, not so popular now, but another way you might hear warm in English. A couple other English words you might hear with warm in them uh, is hand warmers. Now, I'm wearing gloves. We wouldn't call those hand warmers, but you can buy hand warmers at the store. They're usually about a dollar a piece. They're little small square or rectangular things that you can keep in your pocket. So if you need your hands, like it's hard to shut the camera off when I'm done, but I could, if I had hand warmers, I could have my fingers a little bit more free and then every time my hands get cold, I could stick them in my pocket and in there I could have a hand warmer. You might also hear bench warmer in English. These are people who are on a sports team but they're not that good. They don't play a lot. So they sit on the bench quite a bit and they warm the bench for other players when they come off the field to get a rest. You might also hear the term seat warmer. These are a lot like hand warmers, only they're for your butt. If you're going to an event and it's really cold out, you might sit on a seat warmer to keep yourself warm. Not too long ago, I did an English lesson all about the word ice. And guess what? Right now, my camera is icing up. It's a lot colder out here than I thought. Look at my glove. A lot of snow is piling up on that glove. There's a bonus English phrasal verb for you. Oh no, there's a truck on the sidewalk, so I may have to walk in the road for this next one. But this next one, let's take a look. This next one is thanks for keeping the seat warm. 
Thanks for keeping the seat warm for me. I need to go quickly so I don't get hit. But thanks for keeping the seat warm for me. Uh, parents will often say this to their children. Not bad, how are you? Parents will often say this to their children. In my house, I kind of have a special chair. Maybe like the dad's chair. It wasn't my chair until we got a dog and I'm allergic to dogs, so I usually sit in that chair and not the couch. But the chair is really comfortable. And sometimes, maybe when I get up to go to the bathroom or maybe when I just get home and one of my children are, or I should be a good English teacher, right? One of my children is sitting in my chair. That's the correct way to say that. Uh, I don't know if you want me to go into that too much, but one is the subject of that sentence and it's always singular. So one of my children is sitting in the chair and I might say, hey, thanks for keeping the seat warm. That means I wanna sit there, you're sitting in my seat. It is quite rude though, be careful. I actually don't say that to my children. I just uh, usually ask them, hey, could you get up? Or they usually know when I'm home and getting ready to sit down, they will move over to the couch. You might also hear this saying in English, you feel warm. People will often say this to somebody else if they think they are sick. A lot of parents will do this, I I've done this. So if a child looks sick, you might feel their forehead with the back of your hand. The forehead is right here. And if you hear somebody say, ooh, you feel warm, that means they think they might be sick. So then they might have a fever or a temperature. So we use both of those sayings or words when the body is hot. So the parent will use a thermometer and get an accurate reading. Because let's face it, if you put your hand to somebody's forehead, you don't really know if they have a fever or a temperature. You need a thermometer for that to get a little more accuracy, to be a little more correct. The snow is really coming down now. I hope it's not getting on my lens. Um, another way you'll hear warm in English and speaking of kids, we have a kids game here in the United States, and I think it's called hot or cold, but the game goes like this. <coughs> it's hard to see and it's hard to talk, but hey, that's what makes it more interesting, right? The snow is really, really coming towards my face. So the game hot and cold goes like this. Someone will hide an object maybe a cup and they might put it in a drawer somewhere in a room and the other people will have to find it and as somebody is looking for that object if they're really far away from that object they will say oh colder colder but as they get closer to the object they will say oh warmer warmer oh you're getting hot so as adults, we sometimes use this. If you're trying to get someone to guess something, for instance, I have a hat on right now, it's probably covered with snow right now, just like 
most of my face. But I could ask you, hey, how much do you think this hat cost me? Maybe I got it on sale. Maybe I got a really good deal. And you might say $10. I might say, nope. And you might say $9. And then I could say, ooh, warmer. That means you're getting closer to the answer. And then maybe they say $8. And I would say, bingo, you got it right. I paid $8 for this hat. Somebody might also warm to an idea. This happens when you are trying to convince somebody or you're trying to get somebody to agree with you. For example, when I first met my wife, I don't think she liked me very much, but I kept badgering her or I kept pestering her. Those are two other words we might use for bothering. So I kept bothering her, hey, let's go on a date. Let's go on a date. The, the first few times, she said no. But she eventually warmed to the idea. And then we started dating. Then we got married. And she has been happy ever since. Every single day of her life, she's been happy. Because she married me. A couple other words that mean almost the same as warm in English are tepid and lukewarm but we usually use these when it's a bad thing so maybe you like your coffee hot like most people and you could say your coffee is warm which which might be okay but if you say it's lukewarm it's, it's probably a little too cold for your taste like if you got into a nice warm bath well that's a good thing but if the water was lukewarm Eh, probably has cooled off a little bit too much and you're not as comfortable as you would be if the bath was warm or even hot. And the same goes for tepid. Yeah, it's warm. It's not cold, but it's not warm in a good way. Maybe someone gives you a tepid hug. That means they aren't that friendly or a tepid handshake or maybe after a performance there's a, a tepid response from the audience maybe a tepid round of applause not the greatest not exactly what you want if you tried really hard on that stage you don't want a tepid response or a lukewarm response we can often use tepid and lukewarm as synonyms or interchangeably Hope you've enjoyed this English lesson on the word warm. If you're looking for more deep dives, I did one right up there on balls. Like, it's cold as balls out here, or I'm having a ball out here. Check it out. Thanks for watching. See you next time. In today's English lesson, you are going to learn at least 17 different ways we use the word cold in English. Sometimes we'll use it as an adjective. Those describe nouns. Nouns are things. Sometimes we'll use it as a noun. Sometimes we'll use it as an idiom. But guess what? The good news is we don't ever use it as an English phrasal verb. And I am filming this lesson during the winter. 
we're gonna take a walk in the woods here, but it's not that cold. Maybe we should talk about the definition of cold first. It's just the opposite of hot. But um, to some people, it might be cold right now. It's negative 10, but there are other people walking in the woods. Last night, it was negative 30. It was 30 below last night, so it was actually colder last night. Some people might actually think it's pretty warm today. So cold is the opposite of hot. And that's how we use it as an adjective. You can describe weather as being cold, but you could also catch a cold. And that's one way we use cold as a noun. I've done a whole lesson on how to describe yourself if you are feeling sick in English. I will leave a link to that in the description. But a couple ways that you might feel if you have the common cold is you might have a, a runny nose, you might have a headache, you might be coughing or sneezing a lot. We say in English, there is no cure for the common cold. There's no medicine you can take to fix that cold. It just has to run its course. It has to be in the body for a couple days or maybe a couple weeks before you start to feel better. Sometimes we use cold as the way to say it's not hot. And we usually use this with food. So maybe you are going to have a cold breakfast. You might hear this if you are going to stay in an American hotel. Sometimes they will have something called continental breakfast. That's a cold breakfast. Nothing at that breakfast will be served hot. You'll probably have muffins or bagels, but there will be no hot eggs hot bacon or sausage. If that is something you eat, you might have cold cereal. It's the opposite of hot cereal, something like oatmeal or porridge. You could also eat a cold soup. Most soups in the United States are served hot, but a cold soup might be something like cucumber soup. You could also have a cold turkey sandwich. It's not gonna be a hot turkey sandwich. Another way we use cold in English is if somebody is mean or not friendly. Somebody might give you a cold stare. Do you know what a stare is? Well, there are a couple different kinds of stares in English, but a stare that I'm talking about is the one where somebody just looks at you for a really long time. They might give you a cold stare. It's kind of mean, there's no real emotion behind it, or somebody might give you the cold shoulder. Maybe you have a friend and you got into an argument and they uh, started ignoring you for a couple days. That means they are giving you the cold shoulder. Unfortunately, the sun is starting to go down, so it is actually getting a little colder here. you're very quiet, I think you might hear some kind of animal knocking on a tree somewhere out there. Could be a woodpecker, I'm not so sure.
Uh, sometimes we use cold with crime or when something is illegal. You might hear the term a cold-blooded killer. That's someone who kills in cold blood. It's a really bad way to kill somebody. I'm not sure if there is a really good way to kill anybody. Either way, it's probably horrible, but the worst killers, we call them cold-blooded killers. They kill in cold blood. You might also hear something called a cold case. This is when a crime, usually a murder, unfortunately, but that is when they can't find the killer. Many years have gone by and still the crime or the murder has not been solved. We call that a cold case. Dogs, they are sometimes used in solving a crime. Well, they might get a cold scent. If they are sniffing around and maybe they are close to solving the crime, maybe they have a trail and they're following where the kidnapper went or the thief went or the murderer went, but suddenly the dog can't find the smell anymore. They just stop and they don't know which way to go next. We might say that the scent has gotten cold. Scent is something you smell. So flowers, they have a scent. You can smell that. A cold scent is when a dog can no longer find the trail to catch some kind of criminal. A lot of Americans like guns. And you might hear this term with cold. You can get my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. Pry. That means pull really hard. So a locked door or a locked window might have to be pried open. You might pry that open with a crowbar, but many Americans love their guns so much they're basically saying you are going to have to kill them to get that gun. You can pry it from my cold, dead hands. Man, we've been talking a lot about some negative things. Death, guns, cold hands. Um, I hope you're liking this video. I hope you're learning something from this lesson. If you are, do you mind uh, clicking that like button? Thanks. Just in case you were wondering, we are on the red trail. How do I know that? Well, right there is what we call a blaze on the tree, and it's a red blaze, so we're on the red trail. You might hear they entered the game cold. So if somebody is playing a sport and they didn't have a chance to warm up or get ready, they just had to come into the game quickly they didn't get a chance to stretch. They came into the game cold. Something else we use with cold is, ooh, it's a little steep here. I hope I don't fall. If I fall, I'll record it and you'll see me go down. But another way we use cold is to know something cold. And that means you know it really well. So if you have an English exam, I hope you know it cold. That means you're going to get a hundred on that test. You know every, 
Oh, you know everything there is to know. You know it cold. You know it really well. You can also have a cold snap in English. This is when we're talking about weather, and this means many days in a row where it is very, very cold. In the United States, we use Fahrenheit. So many days of below zero temperatures could be called a cold snap. We also have a heat wave in English. That's the opposite. That's when it's really hot for a number of days in a row. All right, more bad things for this one. Well, one bad and one good because we use this next saying two different ways, out cold. So somebody could be knocked out cold, which means they probably got hit in the head and they are unconscious. That's a big word, unconscious. It means they're still breathing. They're not dead. That's good, but you can't wake them up. So that's kind of scary. Or if they're out cold, it might describe that they are actually sleeping. So sometimes babies are out cold. They just are really hard sleepers sometimes. We actually have a term in English and it goes something like this. He's sleeping like a baby. Again, if you've ever had a baby, you know sometimes they can be out cold, sleeping really well, but other times they might be up all night. Something else in English we say with cold is it will be a cold day in hell. And we usually say this when it's something we will never do. For instance, in the United States, maybe your country too, if it's cold enough, we have something called the polar plunge. Polar, that's another really cold word. We have polar bears. But the polar plunge is where people will go to a lake, some kind of water, cut a hole through the ice, and then jump through. Like, I don't know how they do that. I think I would have a heart attack. So it will be a cold day in hell before I ever participate in a polar plunge. Oh no, we got another hill here. It's always easier to go up than to go down. Um, another saying we have is left out in the cold. That means you didn't get something you wanted. Maybe you want to attend a concert. Maybe your favorite musician is playing, but they're really popular. You try to get tickets and you can't. Well, if you can't, you can say that you were left out in the cold. I hope this doesn't happen to you, but if all of your friends go to a party, but you didn't get invited, you would have been left out in the cold. And you might be saying to yourself, Brent, that has to be all the cold terms and sayings. No, there are actually a couple more. How about she got cold feet? That means she was going to get married, but for some reason she got scared and she didn't get married. This can happen to guys too, but uh, he can get cold feet or she can get cold feet. If somebody has cold feet, they were going to get married, but for some reason they decided not to. And the other person is probably pretty upset. Well, that's it, right? No, there are more. 
Uh, what about cold turkey? You could stop something cold turkey. Now we usually use this when there is something happening that is bad, usually a habit. So let's say you are a smoker. I hope you're not. Smoking is bad for you. But if you are a smoker and you want to get healthier, you could stop it. Cold turkey. That means one day you decide, I'm not going to smoke anymore. And you never smoke again. You stopped. Cold turkey. Sugar. I love sugar. It tastes sweet, but it's not good for you. So maybe one day you say to yourself, no more sugar in my diet. I am eliminating sugar from my diet. Well, you would have stopped it cold turkey. That has to be all of them, right? No, there's more cold hearted. If someone is described as cold hearted, then they're really mean. They're not very nice. All right. Think of these four different words. We have freezing, which is really, really cold. We have cold, and then we have warm, which is getting a little closer to hot, and then we have hot. Those are four different ways to talk about temperature, and guess what? I have another English lesson all about the terms and sayings we use with the word warm. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Hey, looks like we're live. What's going on? I wanted to do a super quick English lesson to help you with your English. I have about 10 minutes here at school. I'm literally at my school. And I thought, you know what? Let's read an article. This might help you with your English. And we're going to talk about a high school football team who skipped practice to shovel snow for their neighbors. And the first thing I want to talk about here is <clears throat> skip. Right here. I just want to make sure that we were uh, actually live. It does look like we're live. So skip can mean two different things in English. It can mean like to hop or it's like a walk with like a little bit of a jump, like you can skip down the street or you can skip a class. You could not go to it. So it's almost like hop or it's like not to go somewhere. So I have two sentences here. Skip. I mean, it's the same word, but very different meanings. So she skipped class. She didn't go to her class. She should have. Yeah. It's not like she had a doctor's appointment. It's not like she had a good excuse. She just didn't go. She skipped class, or you could say she skipped down the street. English, not easy. All right, let's read this article here. Get rid of that. So a very nice group of young men here. You can see they have shovels in their hand, and we also have the verb. They are shoveling. It looks like this woman's driveway. We're going to talk about driveways in a minute. And that's usually where you park your car at your house. A sidewalk would be over here. I don't see a sidewalk, but sidewalks are on the side of the street 
And guess what people do on sidewalks? They walk. Yeah. So that's where that comes from. So hopefully this is not too bad. I'm hoping that if you are like maybe an advanced learner or intermediate, you will know every one of these words. So then you can practice on what we call fluency in English, how like what you know flows, fluency. So very few reasons to have to stop. Okay. Looks like there might be a couple people in here. I won't say, hey, Anya, hope everything's going well in Germany and Cecilia, Argentina. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining this uh, because I know you're both very advanced English learners. I'm going to use the word impromptu. Impromptu. I didn't plan this. It just happened. I have like seven minutes left. So I thought maybe you can hear some English spoken clearly. We will read an article. Maybe too easy for Cecilia and Anya, just because I have spoken to you and I know your English is, but maybe this will help you work on your fluency. So you already know all of these words and then you hear English spoken clearly. Let's do it. Let's do it. You're welcome, Cecilia. Bethel Park is a town in Pennsylvania. In January, a big storm hit Bethel Park. The storm left a lot of snow on the ground. The snow covered driveways and sidewalks. Pearl Moss lives in Bethel Park. She did not know what to do about the snow. She could not shovel it herself. She is 74 years old and she has a hurt shoulder. Oh, poor lady. Let's talk about shoulder just in case you don't know where that thing is. It's a little cold in my classroom right now. So I'm wearing a jacket, but this is my shoulder. We got two of them, my shoulder. So she had a hurt shoulder. She's 74. She can't shovel. So guess who comes to the rescue? A couple boys on a football team. And when we say football in the United States, we're talking American football, not soccer. Ario, hope you're doing well there in Argentina. Back to the article. A few hours later, we're right there. A few hours later, there was a knock on Moss's door. It was David Shetland and Aiden Campbell. David is 16 years old. Aiden is 17 years old. Now, I know in a lot of languages, you will use that word have, like they have 16 years or they have 17 years. We do it a little bit different, a little bit differently in English right there. They both play on the football team at Bethel Park High School. They were holding shovels. Moss could not believe it. They were going to shovel me out. Did you know that? Shovel out is an English phrasal verb you might not be familiar with. But lots of snow. You need to get out of your house somehow. You need to be able to get your car out of the driveway somehow. You might say, oh, man, before I go to the store, I need to shovel myself out. Ah, yes, Cecilia. I thought so. I know in Italian, they use have for age. I wonder, uh, oh, Anya, got a call. I was wondering in German, I wonder if they use that verb 
have or they do they use the verb to be is so i am 46 years old yeah i was discussing with my wife jamie a couple nights ago i thought i was 47 but i'm only i'm only 46 years old we don't say i have 46 years i am 46 years old all right back to the article i have just four minutes left but we can do it we got this they were going to shovel her out oh she said and they did not want to be paid for the work shovel day brian delalo coaches the football team before the storm he sent a message to the whole team in the message he asked everyone to find a neighbor neighbor someone who lives near you is your neighbor who could not shovel snow he told the football players to help them shovel their driveway Bilalo wrote and do not take any money david and aiden shoveled snow for eight hours it was a fun way to spend the day david said it made him feel good giving back Delalo said shovel day began many years ago football players always helped clean up Ooh, english phrasal verb probably one that you know and i'm not sure it's just sometimes we have that like that preposition up and we just put it at the end of verb sometimes i could say i need to clean my house that's fine or i could just say i need to clean up a little bit sometimes the up it just takes away some other words we get a little bit lazy maybe i don't know but phrasal verbs can be super tough i know almost done here about 40 no no we got to read this right here the players were happy to keep going they said it was good to give back about 40 football players shoveled snow they got through a hundred homes in one day delalo said they had plans to come back later there were still a few houses left pearl moss thanked the teens so we just use that term for pretty much anyone who was a teenager so 13 all the way up to 19 those people are simply called teens so she thanked the teens without them she might have been stuck in her house i'm going to do my old lady voice now those kids did a fine job she said i'll never forget it all right that's the article i hope you enjoyed it i need to uh I need to go teach some students. They'll be filling this classroom. They'll be filling this classroom shortly. The classroom will be filling up. Just a phrasal verb I could use there if I wanted to. Didn't have to. But thank you all for joining. Cecilia, Anya, Ario. It's good to see you all in this impromptu English lesson. Had a couple minutes. I'm like, let's do it. We'll learn some English. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. Adios, amigos. What is going on, everyone? Hope you're doing well. Looks like we're live. I hope everything sounds okay. In today's English lesson, we are going to talk about some of the most difficult words in English. So the next time you try to say them 
or the next time you try to read them, hopefully you will not struggle. You won't have any trouble. We're going to go over quite a few of them today. This is part two of a lesson I started about a month ago. And unfortunately, my microphone, it's right over there, cut out on me. It stopped working. So I'm not using it today. Hopefully this sounds okay to you. Before we go too far, however, I got to give a huge, got to give a huge shout out to Amina for her super chat. Thank you so much, Amina. I got a little something for you. And she also asked a question. So we're going to do a different lesson, but because Amina gave such a generous super chat, as she often does, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let's talk about her question. But before we do that, here's a little something for you, Amina. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for the super chat. All right. Very, very generous. Let's take a look at what Amina said. Well, first of all, she said, hello, Brent. She said, hello, Brent. The next thing she said, let me get rid of this. The next thing she said was, the reason I want to learn English is to be able to communicate with people better, especially at my work and when I go out to the store. Now, we, I know it's Tim Hortons. It's Tim Hortons. And she says, thank you so much for teaching us. I really appreciate you. And I, I appreciate you, Amina, and I appreciate everyone who is watching because I know there are a lot of amazing English teachers here on YouTube and you are choosing to watch me. So thank you so much. She also has this question. What does seized mean in law? What does seized mean? mean in law seized made a couple banners here seized that means like to take to take but there's another part to seize because they could take it the government or the bank they could take it and maybe hold it until somebody serves time in jail or somebody uh, pays money back, something like that. The bank, this is where I hear seized quite a bit. Again, think take, but the bank could seize your car if you miss a payment on your loan. So, they, they, they may never give it back. Seize could mean you never see that car again. But So I hope that helps, Amina. Again, thank you. Very generous. Very generous. Say hi to a couple other people here. Audie. Audie is here. Hey, um, could have. Could you? Oh, okay. Um, a lot of times in English, 
we will say could have instead of could have. But that's a different thing. That's a different thing. Who else is here? Audie's here. Constantine, welcome. Welcome. Nicole is here. And in the trailer, in the little preview lesson before we started, I did ask, hey, why are you learning English? Nicole says, I want to travel. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I love traveling. Ario is here from Indonesia. Build a friendship with countries like the USA. All right. Love it. Maria's here. How are you, Maria? Hope you're doing well. Stacy, welcome. Jake is here. Hope everyone is doing well. Hey, Jamie Watson. I know her. Freddie Wolf from France. Welcome, Oleg. I hope everyone is doing well. You know what, Manuel? You're in luck. We haven't quite started the actual lesson. Amina, thank you so much. Had to talk about her question first because of the generous super chat. But what do you say? We get started with the lesson. These are the most difficult words in English because they are spelt the same way, letter for letter. But they're pronounced differently and they have different meanings. That's just awful. Just awful. Daniel's in the house. Welcome, Daniel. Daniel is a good follow on Instagram. He is taking a lot of good pictures. Hey, Riola, welcome. Welcome, Henry. All right, I got to keep going. Hey, Dong Dong TV, welcome, man. Welcome. Let's get to that lesson, Danny. I could I could say hi. I, I love this part of the week because... For so long, I'm answering comments, but I don't actually get to answer them in real time. So it's uh, so nice to see people in the chat. I know you're watching me, Danny, France. I hope France is treating you well. All right. Jeez, more. All right. Hopefully everybody's there. How are you? All right. Let's get to the lesson here. Gee, but then got to say hey to Sam. Hey, Sam. Welcome. Yulia, how are you? Oh, my goodness. That would not help your English very much, would it? If I just said hello to everybody in the chat for an hour. No. You are here to learn English. I need to do my job. So let's do it. Let's do it. First thing we're going to talk about is dessert no wait yes that's wait that is that is dessert but that's also dessert and that's desert oh my goodness english why do you have to be so difficult well i have a sentence here that i hope will help you it's right here it uses all three of those words Let's read it, shall we? The soldier decided to desert his tasty dessert in the desert. 
three words there. They look almost the same. Two of them are pronounced the same way. One of them isn't. All right. The soldier decided to desert. Let's talk about desert. Desert means to leave, but the person who was left is in a bad place. If you look at this picture here, it looks like a man is leaving a woman and she looks upset. In English, we have something called a deadbeat dad. A deadbeat dad deserts his family. We don't really have deadbeat moms, right? The moms will usually stay with the children. It's the dads who are horrible, awful people. They will leave their family and then the mom will become a single mom and she won't have as much money and she might struggle. So in our sentence, it's a little bit funny. The soldier decides to desert his dessert. So he decides to leave his dessert. This is dessert. I mean, they are spelled differently, but pronounced the same way. Dessert, desert. They are spelled the same way, but pronounced differently. Desert, hey, I did make a lesson. I might have another one too. I have made a couple English lessons in the desert recently. One has come out, a hotel in the desert. There was tumbleweed and everything. If you have seen that lesson, you know what tumbleweed is. The desert. Dessert. Dessert. You all know what dessert is, right? Come on. You do. I know you do. It's that tasty little after meal thing. You have your dinner and then you have the sweets. You might have cupcakes. You might have cakes. You might have cookies. In that picture, those are cupcakes, little cakes. You probably knew that. Any questions on that sentence? That is a tough sentence. I will read it one more time. The soldier decided to desert his tasty dessert in the desert. Let me check the chat. Good teachers will always check with their students. Do you have any questions about that sentence? Hmm. All right. Hey, Hansa, I agree. I agree. Dear sir, Mr. Teacher, thank you. Makes me sound very professional. I think that English is the most important language in the world. Thanks a lot. I also agree, which is why I love teaching it. If I can make somebody's English a little better so they can travel, so they can get a better job, so they can make more friends, 
Uh, that's why I do it. Oleg, no, I'm sorry, Oge from Turkey. I think I'm going to be making some minimum. I think some shushuka. I know it's a little different, but uh, minimum from Turkey. It looks so good. I think we will do a cooking lesson with minimum from Turkey. It's a dish from Turkey. We will go over English terms we use for cooking while I make that dish. My favorite dessert, I got to go ice cream, I think. Now, in the winter, no. But in the summer, ice cream, chocolate, ice cream. What's your favorite dessert? Please write it in the chat. Is that something we can all agree on? Dessert is the best part of the meal. Um, there was a restaurant that Jamie, my wife, and I used to go to. We don't go there as much. But right when you walk in, there was a sign that said, life is short, eat the dessert first. I like that idea. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Any questions on this sentence? I see a lot of people chatting, which is great. Ron, how are you? Yeah, minimum. No? Okay. Baklava. I have been looking up recipes for baklava. Olga is a member. We have been talking in the members discord about nuts. I said cashews are my favorite nuts, but pistachios are second. I will be making baklava. I promise. Soon. Minimum first, baklava, the dessert. Baklava is one of my favorite desserts. It is so sweet, my teeth hurt. But it's such a good hurt. It feels so good to eat baklava. Baklava. Oh, that could be. That could be, Stacy. Maybe that's why the soldier deserted his dessert. He dropped it in the sand. Can you imagine dropping baklava in the sand? It's so sticky. You will never get the sand out of your baklava. You would have to desert it. You really would. You would have to desert it. Now that's, I could go for that. If you like something, if it sounds good, you could say, mm, I could go for that. I could go for that right now. Brownies with cream cheese frosting. Mm. There's a bakery not too far from my house. The best thing they make, brownies. So those are chocolate. But then they have a raspberry cream cheese frosting. We need to do an English lesson on just desserts. Okay? Coming up. Coming up. Yeah, manual. That's my struggle. I love sugar. Why can't sugar be good for you? If it was, I would be the healthiest English teacher ever. I would like to be fit as a fiddle. 
I stepped on the scale this morning and thought, hmm, I need to cut out that sugar. Or cut, let's talk about what Manuel just said. I said cut out. That means to get rid of, to stop eating. If I cut sugar out of my diet, no more sugar. What Manuel said is cut down. So that would just mean less. Not to get rid of, not to eliminate less. It's probably a good idea. Cut down on the sugar. All right, let's move on to the next one. I don't see any more questions. Oh, I look at that. Yawin, chocolate cake. Hard to go wrong with chocolate cake. Hard to go wrong. That picture, it's just little chocolate cakes right there, right? Cupcakes are just little cakes. <laughs> yeah, baklava is only sugar. It really is. In English, we call it filo dough. It's filo dough, really like thin layers of dough and sugar, right? Maybe some pistachios in the middle. That's it. No sweet tooth. Hmm. But a little smile there, which makes me think maybe you do have a sweet tooth. I certainly do. I do not know. Banica. Is that how you say it? Bulgarian. Traditional dessert. Jamie and I would love to visit Bulgaria. I want to go to Sofia. I want to go to the Black Sea for vacation. Dr. Luke from Poland. I'm not sure if he is in the chat. He is a channel member. He goes to Bulgaria. He sent me some pictures last summer. I want to go to Bulgaria. Okay, says, I am addicted to sugar. My man, my man. I can't cut it out after having dinner. I agree. I agree. Okay. Danny says, in France, many people eat cheese and baguettes for dessert. So, no sugar here, Brent. Well, that's probably why the French live longer than Americans. I think uh, France and Japan both have some of the longest life expectancies. So, on average, the French... And the Japanese live longer than Americans. Hey, life is short. Eat dessert first. All right. I need to uh, get back. Okay, Freddie Wolf from France. You will know baklava because I will make it on the channel. Dr. Luke is here. Maybe one day Dr. Luke and I will meet on the shores of the Black Sea in Bulgaria. All right. Let's get back to the, let's get back to the lesson. Let's get back to the lesson. The next sentence here is, get rid of this. We'll focus on this here. Since there is no time like the present, he thought it was time to present the present to his girlfriend. Again, we have three words here that, are the exact same, three different meanings, two different pronunciations. 
since there is no time like the present, he thought it was time to present the present to his girlfriend. Okay. Now, if English is really new to you, you might not be able to hear the difference between those two pronunciations. So I will slow down and focus on those. Let's get some pictures. It's always helpful to see pictures. The first one has to do with time. Since there is no time like the present. There is no time like the present. So we could talk about the past. That was yesterday. We could talk about the future. That's tomorrow or the present right now. We are all living in the present. You are watching this live stream. Unless you're watching the replay in the future or you're listening to the podcast, present day, right now, the present, not the future, not the past. Next one, though, is present. And that's a verb. Present. You are giving something to somebody, presenting them. But it's a little bit bigger than just giving. So you could give somebody a cupcake, but you're not presenting them the cupcake. Right now, I am presenting this lesson to you. I am giving this lesson to you. You might present an award to someone. So it's a special kind of giving. If you wanted to get married, you might present a ring to the person you want to marry. So present, it's giving, but it's a, a little bit of a bigger deal than just giving. So since there is no time like the present, he thought it was time to present. You hear the difference there? Present, present. Present, right now, present, Present, present. Now he is presenting the present to his girlfriend. And a present is just a gift. Okay, that's not too bad. You might receive a present for your birthday. That makes sense, right? So present, present, present. The first and the last are pronounced the same way. Present, present, present. Hope that helps. Let me check the chat, see if there are any questions. Okay, manual, present, currently, right now, to present. Yeah, you could, you could introduce yourself. It's like you're giving yourself. You might present yourself in front of an audience. Good one. Yeah. No problem with the present, right? We all know that. Present, gift. Thank you, manual. Nicely done. Why those lessons are confusing. Yeah. 
The first one, the first lesson was called the 20 most difficult sentences in English. These are part of that lesson. Just my microphone cut out. I'm on vacation this summer, uh, this week from school. So I'm working on this guy. <clears throat> All right, Freddie Wolf, great question. Are gifts and presents the same level for giving something to somebody? I think so. I don't think a gift is any more special than a present or the other way around or vice versa. So they're the same level. Gifts and presents, yeah. Hey, let's say a car. Somebody was going to give a gift of a car or a present. Is it, ooh, I don't know. Maybe gift is a little better, but not much. You can use them interchangeably. Yeah, good question. Good question. What's this? Present in the Kimmet. What is that? What does that mean? Wait, hang on. Oh, okay. Sorry. Present in the moment. That is another way to say that. Be present with your family. Yes. It's a good call, Jamie. Um, I think Jamie is going to join me on a live stream soon. If you would like Jamie to join me in a live stream soon, please let her know. Just say yes in the chat. If you would like Jamie to come on a live stream. It's been a while, but she is also a teacher. All right. Hey, Manuel, the best present is being alive. That's, that's, that's true. Hard to disagree with that, right? <clears throat> All right. So a few yeses. I'm hoping somebody would say no. But so far, quite a few yeses. Okay, okay, quite a few, quite a few. Yes, all right, yes. So yeah, Jamie and I will talk and we will try to get a live lesson going here soon. All right. Well, that's, that's very nice. Hey, you do not have to give me a present. You are here watching this lesson that means a lot to me. So thank you so much. What do you say? We do another sentence. Is it, is it too tough? Maybe we need to stop. These are difficult. These are difficult. Learning English is difficult. It takes a lot of time. And like I said, these are some of the most difficult English sentences. Let's do another one. Let's see what we got here. Oh, no. So we have, that's a fish right there. We pronounce that bass. That is a bass. Let's get rid of this thing for a minute. Now that's a bass. Bass. So there is a bass drum there, and there is a bass guitar. B-A-S-S. Bass, bass. Why? I don't know. I don't know. 
that's, that's a lot of what you have to say when you're learning English. You might ask your teacher, hey, teacher, why are these pronounced differently? I don't know. Now, one problem with English is that English has been influenced by many different languages. A lot of French influence, a lot of Greek influence. So, and, and we didn't change the spelling. Our sounds don't match the spelling. Let's take a look at a sentence here. Hopefully this isn't too bad. A bass was painted on the head of the bass drum. So basically that is saying a fish was painted on the head of a bass drum. Can I? I don't know. So that white part of the drum is what we call the head. I actually have a, I have a drum set behind me. See, can I do that? Uh, yeah, there we go. This is the drum head. That's the drum head. I need new drum heads. I just, I just beat on those drums. But that's the head of the drum. All right. So that's the head of the drum. A bass, a bass was painted on the head of the bass drum. That might be our easiest sentence of the day. There's just two there. Two. Bass. 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 Any questions on that? Let's see here. Any questions? So, some yeses. Jamie, Jamie, if you're still watching, I think you need to I think you need to go on a live stream. Hey, Jake, right now, I don't have time to answer any other questions besides this lesson. We did make one exception for Amina because of her very generous super chat. Oh, man. That makes me happy to hear. Glad to see you live again. Your streams don't let me fall out from English. Not for a minute. Awesome. Thank you so much. So it's Jamie would love to. We are on vacation this week. So we're going to try to set up a day, set up, plan, set up a day when Jamie and I can go live together. It might be next Saturday, but it might be in the middle of the week. Maybe you can watch on replay. Let's see. Oh, now Freddie Wolf says, hey, could you one day play something on your drum? It would be amazing. Now, Freddie, since you are a channel member, if you look at the members only videos, there is a video of me playing the drums. All right, Manuel, sort of a fish. Really? Really? Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Because I've talked about cashews and pistachios. Those are different kinds of nuts. Now we're talking about a bass 
which is a kind of fish. Now, if you are studying English and you're new to English, as long as you know fish, as long as you know nut, I think that's fine. If you want to get more advanced, then you can learn bass, trout, salmon. But if you're just starting with English, you probably can't keep up with this lesson. But I don't think you should spend a lot of time studying different types of fish, different types of birds. I did get a question on the Grand Canyon um, lesson. What's the difference between a raven and a crow? I did a short on my other channel, but a raven is just kind of like a big crow. Now, I'm sure somebody who studies birds will say, no, their beaks are different. You know, the beak of a bird is like their nose, beak, B-E-A-K. But to this guy who doesn't know a lot about birds, a raven is a big crow. It's probably more complicated than that. All right, sort of fish. I have no idea where it grew up. All right. Sidetracked. It's a good word. Distracted. I don't want you to get sidetracked, but I wonder, whoa, I, I don't know. Epicurean. I have no idea. I have no idea. But a foodie is somebody who likes food. All right. Let's do this. Another one. It's not too bad, right? A, ba a bass was painted on the head of a bass drum. That's not bad. That's not bad. How about this one? Is this bad? I don't know. When I shot at the dove, speaking of birds, it dove into the bushes. It's kind of mean shooting at a bird. Unless you're going to eat it, I guess. Sorry to all of the vegetarians out here. If you are a vegetarian, you probably don't like the idea of eating a bird. Vegetarian is a person who does not eat meat. So when I shot at the dove, it dove into the bushes. Let's get a couple pictures out here. Dove, beautiful bird, all white. In a future lesson that I made in the desert, a dove actually appears, but it's not a white dove. It's not a white dove. It's a, a gray dove. That is dove. That's how we pronounce that, the bird. This is dove. Dove. It's the past tense of dive. Hopefully that's not too bad. Again, we just have two in this sentence. Dove. Dove, past tense of dive, D-I-V-E. You can dive into the water, just like this person is in the picture. Looks like she dove. If this happened yesterday, we would say she dove into the water. Sup? 
Sup? How you doing? Game over. I remember you. Game over. Wait. Oh, what about pigeon? Yeah, pigeons are different. Pigeons are different animals. Uh, I wish I had a pitcher. But like I said, don't worry too much about the different birds unless you are just a very advanced speaker. If you go to Venice, Italy, or New York City, the birds you will see there, we call pigeons in English. Okay. Doves are a little different, a little more rare, especially those white ones from that picture. Like, I'm not sure I've ever seen a white dove in person. Yeah, Freddie Wolf. I'm not sure if this is just in English or the United States, but often a white dove is a symbol of peace. A white flag is a symbol of surrender. So yeah, white, at least in English, it often means peace. Yeah, the color. And a white dove represents peace. Absolutely. No, I, hey, Manuel, I'm not, I, I would never, I would never shoot at the dove. But I'm sure, it, I'm sure it, if I had a gun and I was shooting, I would miss it. I am not good at shooting guns. But yeah, the, the dove would get away. It would be, uh, it would be able to dive into the bushes pretty easily. Um, yeah, I don't know a lot about birds, but I think doves and pigeons, at least in English, are a little different. Can I tell you why? No, no. I just know that pigeons, okay, in the United States at least, when I say someone um, has pigeons on their lawn, people probably wouldn't care. Like, eh, who cares? Pigeons. But if they had doves on their lawn, like, whoa, those are rare birds. Maybe I want to see those doves, but they're a little different. Pigeons are known for going to the bathroom everywhere in New York City. Oh, now, should I, should I, do, a, should I do a lesson on birds? Probably not. But the cardinal, now that is a red bird. I could probably put a picture. Um, beautiful bird. Now, because, look at this. I think I can share this. Thank you, Layla. Thank you. And thank you for being a channel member. Um, I think I can share this here. Because this is late spring right now, it is late spring. Some people think that when you see a cardinal... There you go. That red bird, beautiful bird, in my opinion. When you see a cardinal, that is the first sign of spring. 
when you see a cardinal, that red bird outside, that means to some people, spring is near. And it is. Beautiful bird. Beautiful bird. All right. Pretty bird. Okay, let's get rid of that. Because what I want to do now is I, I have to leave soon. What I want to do now is pick a number for the postcard. I think on Monday on the community tab, I put a picture of this postcard and I said, if you would like a postcard, put a comment. And I think 54, 58, 58 people did that. So before we leave here, I would like to pick a number at random. Now, there is a number on the screen already that that doesn't count. That was already there. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit that generate button and it will show us a number and that person will win a postcard. I will send them a postcard. So let's pick that number right now. It is number 38. 38. So what I am going to do is I'm going to look back at that post and write to the person who had number 38. Say, please send me a private message on Instagram and I will send you a postcard. I will send you a postcard. I cannot thank you enough for joining me on this lesson. I hope it was fun. I hope you learned a little something. Amina, again, one more time, very generous super chat. Thank you so much, Amina. That really means a lot. It means a lot that you joined this chat. Thank you. 63 people in here. That might be the most we've ever had for my tiny little channel. So thank you so much. My son is playing hockey. I need to go, but maybe next Saturday we will continue with these very difficult English lessons. I have a few more. Thank you so much. See you soon. Adios. What is going on, everyone? Hope you're doing well. Looks like we're live. I hope everything sounds okay. In today's English lesson, we are going to talk about some of the most difficult words in English. So the next time you try to say them or the next time you try to read them, hopefully you will not struggle. You won't have any trouble. We're going to go over quite a few of them today. This is part two of a lesson I started about a month ago. And unfortunately, my microphone right over there, cut out on me. It stopped working. So I'm not using it today. Hopefully this sounds okay to you. Before we go too far, however, I got to give a huge, got to give a huge shout out to Amina for her super chat. Thank you so much, Amina. I got a little something for you. And she also asked a question. So 
We're going to do a different lesson, but because Amina gave such a generous super chat, as she often does, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let's talk about her question. But before we do that, here's a little something for you, Amina. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for the super chat. All right. Very, very generous. Let's take a look at what Amina said. Well, first of all, she said, hello, Brent. She said, hello, Brent. The next thing she said, let me get rid of this. The next thing she said was, the reason I want to learn English is to be able to communicate with people better, especially at my work and when I go out to the store. Now, we, I know it's Tim Hortons. It's Tim Hortons. And she says, thank you so much for teaching us. I really appreciate you. And I, I appreciate you, Amina. And I appreciate everyone who is watching because I know there are a lot of amazing English teachers here on YouTube and you are choosing to watch me. So thank you so much. She also has this question. What does seized mean in law? What does seized mean in law? Seized, I made a couple banners here. Seized, that means like to take, to take. But there's another part to seized because they could take it the government or the bank, they could take it and maybe hold it until somebody serves time in jail or somebody uh, pays money back, something like that. The bank, this is where I hear seized quite a bit. Again, think take, but the bank could seize your car if you miss a payment on your loan. So they, they, they may never give it back. Seize could mean you never see that car again. But so I hope that helps, Amina. Again, thank you. Very generous. Very generous. Say hi to a couple other people here. Audie. Audie is here. I um, could have, could you? Oh, okay. Um, a lot of times in English, we will say could have instead of could have. But that's a different thing. That's a different thing. Who else is here? Audie's here. Constantine, welcome. Welcome. Nicole is here. And in the trailer, in the little preview lesson, before we started, I did ask, hey, why are you learning English? Nicole says, I want to travel. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I love traveling. Ario is here from Indonesia. Build a friendship with countries like the USA. All right. Love it. Maria's here. How are you, Maria? Hope you're doing well. Stacy, welcome. Jake is here. 
Hope everyone is doing well. Hey, Jamie Watson. I know her. Freddie Wolf from France. Welcome, Oleg. I hope everyone is doing well. You know what, Manuel? You're in luck. We haven't quite started the actual lesson. Amina, thank you so much. Had to talk about her question first because of the generous super chat. But what do you say? We get started with the lesson. These are the most difficult words in English because they are spelt the same way, letter for letter, but they're pronounced differently and they have different meanings. That's just awful. Just awful. Daniel's in the house. Welcome. Daniel. Daniel is a good follow on Instagram. He is taking a lot of good pictures. Hey, Weola. Welcome. Welcome, Henry. All right. I got to keep going. Hey, Dong Dong TV. Welcome, man. Welcome. Let's get to that lesson, Danny. I could I could say hi. I, I love this part of the week because for so long, I'm answering comments, but I don't actually get to answer them in real time. So it's uh, so nice to see people in the chat. I know you're watching me, Danny, France. I hope France is treating you well. All right. Jeez, more. All right. Hopefully everybody's there. How are you? All right. Let's get to the lesson here. Gee, but then got to say hey to Sam. Hey, Sam. Welcome. Yulia, how are you? Oh, my goodness. That would not help your English very much, would it? If I just said hello to everybody in the chat for an hour. No. You are here to learn English. I need to do my job. So let's do it. Let's do it. First thing we're going to talk about is dessert. No. Wait. Yes, that's... Wait. That is... That is dessert, but that's also dessert, and that's desert. Oh, my goodness. English, why do you have to be so difficult? Well, I have a sentence here that I hope will help you. It's right here. It uses all three of those words. Let's read it, shall we? The soldier decided to desert his tasty dessert in the desert. Three words there. They look almost the same. Two of them are pronounced the same way. One of them isn't. All right. The soldier decided to desert. Let's talk about dessert. Dessert means to leave, but the person who was left is in a bad place. If you look at this picture here, it looks like a man is leaving a woman and she looks upset. In English, we have something called a deadbeat dad. A deadbeat dad deserts his family. 
we don't really have deadbeat moms, right? The moms will usually stay with the children. It's the dads who are horrible, awful people. They will leave their family and then the mom will become a single mom and she won't have as much money and she might struggle. So in our sentence, it's a little bit funny. The soldier decides to desert his dessert. So he decides to leave his dessert. This is dessert. I mean, they are spelled differently, but pronounced the same way. Desert. Desert. They are spelled the same way, but pronounced differently. Desert. Hey, I did make a lesson. I might have another one, too. I have made a couple English lessons in the desert recently. One has come out, a hotel in the desert. There was tumbleweed and everything. If you have seen that lesson, you know what tumbleweed is. The desert. Dessert. Dessert. You all know what dessert is, right? Come on. You do. I know you do. It's that tasty little after meal thing. You have your dinner and then you have the sweets. You might have cupcakes. You might have cakes. You might have cookies. In that picture, those are cupcakes, little cakes. You probably knew that. Any questions on that sentence? That is a tough sentence. I will read it one more time. The soldier decided to desert his tasty dessert in the desert. Let me check the chat. Good teachers will always check with their students. Do you have any questions about that sentence? Hmm. All right. Hey, Hansa, I agree. I agree. Dear sir, Mr. Teacher, thank you. Makes me sound very professional. I think that English is the most important language in the world. Thanks a lot. I also agree, which is why I love teaching it. If I can make somebody's English a little better so they can travel, so they can get a better job, so they can make more friends, uh, that's why I do it. Oleg, no, I'm sorry, okay. From Turkey. I think I'm going to be making some minimum. I think. Some shushuka. I know it's a little different, but uh, minimum from Turkey. It looks so good. I think we will do a cooking lesson with minimum from Turkey. It's a dish from Turkey. We will go over English terms we use for cooking while I make that dish. My favorite dessert, I got to go ice cream, I think. Now, in the winter, no. But in the summer, ice cream, chocolate, ice cream. 
What's your favorite dessert? Please write it in the chat. Is that something we can all agree on? Dessert is the best part of the meal. Um, there was a restaurant that Jamie, my wife, and I used to go to. We don't go there as much. But right when you walk in, there was a sign that said, life is short, eat the dessert first. I like that idea. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Any questions on this sentence? I see a lot of people chatting, which is great. Ron, how are you? Yeah, minimum. No? Okay. Baklava. I have been looking up recipes for baklava. Olga is a member. We have been talking in the members' discord about nuts. I said cashews are my favorite nuts, but pistachios are second. I will be making baklava. I promise. Soon. Minimum first. Baklava. The dessert. Baklava is one of my favorite desserts. It is so sweet. My teeth hurt. But it's such a good hurt. It feels so good to eat baklava. Baklava. Oh, that could be. That could be, Stacy. Maybe that's why the soldier deserted his dessert. He dropped it in the sand. Can you imagine dropping baklava in the sand? It's so sticky. You will never get the sand out of your baklava. You would have to desert it. You really would. You would have to desert it. Now that's, I could go for that. If you like something, if it sounds good, you could say, mm, I could go for that. I could go for that right now. Brownies with cream cheese frosting. Mm. There's a bakery not too far from my house. The best thing they make, brownies. So those are chocolate. But then they have a raspberry cream cheese frosting. We need to do an English lesson on just desserts. Okay? Coming up. Coming up. Yeah. Manual. That's my struggle. I love sugar. Why can't sugar be good for you? If it was, I would be the healthiest English teacher ever. I would like to be fit as a fiddle. I stepped on the scale this morning and thought, hmm, I need to cut out that sugar. Or cut, let's talk about what Manuel just said. I said cut out. That means to get rid of, to stop eating. If I cut sugar out of my diet, no more sugar. What Manuel said is cut down. So that would just mean less. Not to get rid of, not to eliminate less. That's probably a good idea. Cut down on the sugar. All right, let's move on to the next one. I don't see any more questions. Oh, I look at that. Yawin, chocolate cake. Hard to go wrong with chocolate cake. Hard to go wrong 
That picture, it's just little chocolate cakes right there, right? Cupcakes are just little cakes. <laughs> yeah, baklava is only sugar. It really is. In English, we call it phyllo dough. It's phyllo dough, really like thin layers of dough and sugar, right? Maybe some pistachios in the middle. That's it. No sweet tooth. Hmm. But a little smile there, which makes me think maybe you do have a sweet tooth. I certainly do. I do not know. Banica. Is that how you say it? Bulgarian. Traditional dessert. Jamie and I would love to visit Bulgaria. I want to go to Sofia. I want to go to the Black Sea for vacation. Dr. Luke from Poland. I'm not sure if he is in the chat. He is a channel member. He goes to Bulgaria. He sent me some pictures last summer. I want to go to Bulgaria. Okay, says, I am addicted to sugar. My man, my man. I can't cut it out after having dinner. I agree. I agree. Okay. Danny says, in France, many people eat cheese and baguettes for dessert. So, no sugar here, Brent. Well, that's probably why the French live longer than Americans. I think uh, France and Japan both have some of the longest life expectancies. So, on average, the French... And the Japanese live longer than Americans. Hey, life is short. Eat dessert first. All right. I need to uh, get back. Okay, Freddie Wolf from France. You will know baklava because I will make it on the channel. Dr. Luke is here. Maybe one day Dr. Luke and I will meet on the shores of the Black Sea in Bulgaria. All right. Let's get back to the, let's get back to the lesson. Let's get back to the lesson. The next sentence here is, get rid of this. We'll focus on this here. Since there is no time like the present, he thought it was time to present the present to his girlfriend. Again, we have three words here that are the exact same, three different meanings, two different pronunciations. Since there is no time like the present, he thought it was time to present the present to his girlfriend. Okay. Now, if English is really new to you, you might not be able to hear the difference between those two pronunciations. So I will slow down and focus on those. Let's get some pictures. It's always helpful to see pictures. The first one has to do with time. Since there is no time like the present. There is no time like the present. So we could talk about the past. That was yesterday. We could talk about the future. 
that's tomorrow or the present right now. We are all living in the present. You are watching this live stream. Unless you're watching the replay in the future or you're listening to the podcast. Present day, right now, the present, not the future, not the past. Next one, though, is present. And that's a verb. Present. You are giving something to somebody, presenting them. But it's a little bit bigger than just giving. So you could give somebody a cupcake, but you're not presenting them the cupcake. Right now, I am presenting this lesson to you. I am giving this lesson to you. You might present an award to someone. So it's a special kind of giving. If you wanted to get married, you might present a ring to the person you want to marry. So present, it's giving, but it's a, a little bit of a bigger deal than just giving. So since there is no time like the present, he thought it was time to present. You hear the difference there? Present, present. Present, right now, present, present, present. Now he is presenting the present to his girlfriend. And a present is just a gift, okay? That's not too bad. You might receive a present for your birthday. That makes sense, right? So present, present, present. The first and the last are pronounced the same way. Present, present, present. Hope that helps. Let me check the chat, see if there are any questions. So, okay, manual, present, currently, right now, to present. Yeah, you could, you could introduce yourself. It's like you're giving yourself. You might present yourself in front of an audience. Good one. Yeah. No problem with the present, right? We all know that. Present, gift. Thank you, Manuel. Nicely done. Why those lessons are confusing. Yeah. The first one, the first lesson was called the 20 most difficult sentences in English. These are part of that lesson. Just my microphone cut out. I'm on vacation this summer, uh, this week from school. So I'm working on this guy. <clears throat> All right, Freddie Wolf, great question. Are gifts and presents the same level for giving something to somebody? I think so. I don't think a gift is any more special than a present or the other way around or vice versa. So they're the same level. Gifts and presents, yeah. Hey, 
let's say a car, somebody was going to give a gift of a car or a present as a, Ooh, I don't know. Maybe gift is a little better, but not much. You can use them interchangeably. Yeah. Good question. Good question. What's this? Present in the Kimmet. What is that? What does that mean? Wait, hang on. Oh, okay. Sorry. Present in the moment. That is another way to say that. Be present with your family. Yes. It's a good call, Jamie. Um, I think Jamie is going to join me on a live stream soon. If you would like Jamie to join me in a live stream soon, please let her know. Just say yes in the chat. If you would like Jamie to come on a live stream. It's been a while, but she is also a teacher. All right. Hey, Manuel, the best present is being alive. That's 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 true. Hard to disagree with that, right? <clears throat> All right. So a few yeses. I'm hoping somebody would say no. But so far, quite a few yeses. Okay. Okay. Quite a few. Quite a few. Yes. All right. Yes. So, yeah, Jamie and I will talk and we will try to get a live lesson going here soon. All right. Well, that's, that's very nice. Hey, you do not have to give me a present. You are here watching this lesson. That means a lot to me. So thank you so much. What do you say? We do another sentence. Is it, is it too tough? Maybe we need to stop. These are difficult. These are difficult. Learning English is difficult. It takes a lot of time. And like I said, these are some of the most difficult English sentences. Let's do another one. Let's see what we got here. Oh, no. So we have, that's a fish right there. We pronounce that bass. That is a bass. Let's get rid of this thing for a minute. Now, that's a bass. Bass. So there is a bass drum there, and there is a bass guitar. B-A-S-S. Bass, bass. Why? I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's a lot of what you have to say when you're learning English. You might ask your teacher, hey, teacher, why are these pronounced differently? I don't know. Now, one problem with English is that English has been influenced by many different languages. A lot of French influence, a lot of Greek influence. So, and, and we didn't change the spelling. Our sounds don't match the spelling. Let's take a look at a sentence here. Hopefully this isn't too bad. A bass was painted on the head of the bass drum. So, Basically, that is saying a fish 
was painted on the head of a bass drum. Can I? I don't know. So that white part of the drum is what we call the head. I actually have a, I have a drum set behind me. Can I do that? Uh, yeah, there we go. This is the drum head. That's the drum head. I need new drum heads. I just, I just beat on those drums. But that's the head of the drum. All right. So that's the head of the drum. A bass, a bass was painted on the head of the bass drum. That might be our easiest sentence of the day. There's just two there. Two. Bass. 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 Any questions on that? Let's see here. Any questions? So, some yeses. Jamie, Jamie, if you're still watching, I think you need to think you need to go on a live stream hey jake right now i don't have time to answer any other questions besides this lesson we did make one exception for amina because of her very generous super chat oh man that makes me happy to hear Glad to see you live again. Your streams don't let me fall out from English. Not for a minute. Awesome. Thank you so much. So it's Jamie would love to. We are on vacation this week. So we're going to try to set up a day, set up, plan, set up a day when Jamie and I can go live together. It might be next Saturday, but it might be in the middle of the week. Maybe you can watch on replay. Let's see. Oh, now Freddie Wolf says, hey, could you one day play something on your drum? It would be amazing. Now, Freddie, since you are a channel member, if you look at the members only videos, there is a video of me playing the drums. All right, Manuel, sort of a fish. Really? Really? Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Because I've talked about cashews and pistachios. Those are different kinds of nuts. Now we're talking about a bass, which is a kind of fish. Now, if you are studying English and you're new to English, as long as you know fish, as long as you know nut, I think that's fine. If you want to get more advanced, then you can learn bass, trout, salmon. But if you're just starting with English, you probably can't keep up with this lesson. But I don't think you should spend a lot of time studying different types of fish, different types of birds. I did get a question on the Grand Canyon um, lesson. 
What's the difference between a raven and a crow? I did a short on my other channel, but a raven is just kind of like a big crow. Now, I'm sure somebody who studies birds will say, no, their beaks are different. You know, the beak of a bird is like their nose, beak, B-E-A-K. But to this guy who doesn't know a lot about birds, a raven is a big crow. It's probably more complicated than that. All right, sort of fish. I have no idea where it grew up. All right. Sidetracked. It's a good word. Distracted. I don't want you to get sidetracked, but I wonder, whoa, I, I don't know. Epicurean. I have no idea. I have no idea. But a foodie is somebody who likes food. All right. Let's do this. Another one. It's not too bad, right? A, ba- a bass was painted on the head of a bass drum. That's not bad. That's not bad. How about this one? Is this bad? I don't know. When I shot at the dove, speaking of birds, it dove into the bushes. It's kind of mean shooting at a bird. Unless you're going to eat it, I guess. Sorry to all of the vegetarians out here. If you are a vegetarian, you probably don't like the idea of eating a bird. Vegetarian is a person who does not eat meat. So when I shot at the dove, it dove into the bushes. Let's get a couple pictures out here. Dove, beautiful bird, all white. In a future lesson that I made in the desert, a dove actually appears, but it's not a white dove. It's not a white dove. It's a a gray dove. That is dove. That's how we pronounce that, the bird. This is dove. Dove. It's the past tense of dive. Hopefully that's not too bad. Again, we just have two in this sentence. Dove. Dove. Past tense of dive. D-I-V-E. You can dive into the water, just like this person is in the picture. Looks like she dove. If this happened yesterday, we would say she dove into the water. Sup? Sup? How you doing? Game over. I remember you. Game over. Wait. Oh, what about pigeon? Yeah, pigeons are different. Pigeons are different animals. Uh, I wish I had a picture. But like I said, don't worry too much about the different birds unless you are just a very advanced speaker. If you go to Venice, Italy, or New York City, the birds you will see there, we call pigeons in English. Okay? Doves are a little different, a little more rare, especially those white ones from that picture. Like, 
I'm not sure I've ever seen a white dove in person. Yeah, Freddie Wolf. I'm not sure if this is just in English or the United States, but often a white dove is a symbol of peace. A white flag is a symbol of surrender. So yeah, white, at least in English, it often means peace. Yeah, the color. And a white dove represents peace. Absolutely. No, I, hey, Manuel, I, I'm not, I, I would never, I would never shoot at the dove. But I'm sure, it, I'm sure it, if I had a gun and I was shooting, I would miss it. I am not good at shooting guns. But yeah, the, the dove would get away. It would be uh, it would be able to dive into the bushes pretty easily. Um, yeah, I don't know a lot about birds, but I think doves and pigeons, at least in English, are a little different. Can I tell you why? No, no. I just know that pigeons. Okay, in the United States, at least. When I say someone um, has pigeons on their lawn, people probably wouldn't care. Like, eh, who cares? Pigeons. But if they had doves on their lawn, like, whoa, those are rare birds. Maybe I want to see those doves. But they're a little different. Pigeons are known for going to the bathroom everywhere. In New York City. Oh, now should I should I do a should I do a lesson on birds? Probably not. But the cardinal, now that is a red bird. We could probably put a picture. Um, beautiful bird. Now, because look at this. I think I can share this. Thank you. Layla, thank you. And thank you for being a channel member. Um, I think I can share this here. Because this is late spring right now, it is late spring. Some people think that when you see a cardinal, there you go, that red bird, beautiful bird, in my opinion, when you see a cardinal, that is the first sign of spring. When you see a cardinal, that red bird outside, that means to some people, spring is near. And it is. Beautiful bird. Beautiful bird. All right. Pretty bird. Okay, let's get rid of that because what I want to do now is I, I have to leave soon. What I want to do now is pick a number for the postcard. I think on Monday on the community tab, I put a picture of this postcard and I said, if you would like a postcard, put a comment. And I think 54... 58, 
58 people did that. So before we leave here, I would like to pick a number at random. Now there is a number on the screen already that that doesn't count. That was already there, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit that generate button and it will show us a number and that person will win a postcard. I will send them a postcard. So let's pick that number right now. It is number 38, 38. So what I am going to do is I'm going to look back at that post and write to the person who had number 38, say, please send me a private message on Instagram and I will send you a postcard. I'll send you a postcard. I cannot thank you enough for joining me on this lesson. I hope it was fun. I hope you learned a little something. Amina, again, one more time, very generous super chat. Thank you so much, Amina. That really means a lot. It means a lot that you joined this chat. Thank you. 63 people in here. That might be the most we've ever had for my tiny little channel. So thank you so much. My son is playing hockey. I need to go. But maybe next Saturday, we will continue with these very difficult English lessons. I have a few more. Thank you so much. See you soon. Adios. Well, hello there. Great to see you all here. I know it's late for people living in Asia, so maybe you're watching on replay. So welcome to anyone watching live or watching on replay. I thought, should I do this topic? It's timely. That's a word we might use in English. It's timely because so much is in the news. So many people are talking about war right now. But like Anya said, I mean, it's, it's a tough, tough topic. So what my goal is here today is to give you at least 20 English vocabulary words that you may hear or read while watching or listening to the news. So, of course, we are all thinking about Ukraine right now, what's going on there in this unprovoked attack. Unprovoked means the Ukrainians didn't ask for this. They didn't do anything to deserve this. So I do see Mega here, though, from India. Wow. Hey, Amina, Mega. So I know it's late over there. Harry, how are you? Yulia, welcome, everyone. I saw Sita here. Welcome. So my goal today will be to shed some light on some of those difficult vocabulary words you might hear while watching the news, but I also try to pick some words that were used when we talk about war, but also you might hear about them in everyday life. The other thing is when I refer to the army that is fighting the Ukraines, I will not refer to them as Russians. I believe most Russians don't want this war. They are ashamed of this war. 
of course. I can't speak for all Russians. But the, the people or the army that is fighting in Ukraine right now against the Ukrainians, I will call them Putin's army instead of the Russians. So with that said, let's get into some words that you might hear while watching or listening to the news. First one I want to talk about is aggressor. Aggressor. So the aggressor is the person or the country or the side that starts the fight, that starts the war. In a war, the aggressor is the one who starts the fight. The aggressor. Now, other words that you might hear that are similar to aggressor are aggressive. Somebody could be aggressive. If you see in that picture, the dog, that dog looks aggressive to me. Looks like he could really bite somebody. And you might hear aggression. So the dog took its aggression out on the small animal. All of them have something to do with almost like angry, the aggressor. The next one. Now, I will be looking in the chat just in case anyone has any questions about any of these words. It's what a good teacher does, right? Elena, thank you for joining us. Hope all is well. Oh, and I have, I do want to uh, mention uh, three Ukrainians by name because they have left comments. I've talked with them in the comment section. So, Eugen, if you're watching, I hope you're safe, buddy. Um, Marina, been with the channel for a long time. I hope you're also safe. And Katarina, so a big hello to all of you out there. And I know uh, it's not easy for you. So Semra, what is going on? Hope you're well in Turkey. The next one is preemptive. Preemptive. This is a good word to know. Preemptive. It means before something starts. Pre. That prefix in English almost always means before, before. So we might have a sentence like the war started with a preemptive strike. So even before the war starts, one army chooses to attack the other, a preemptive strike, preemptive before it happens. But in that picture, I also have something used in medicine because you might also hear preventative medicine or preventive medicine. Does anybody know what that? Alan, Alan, glad to see you in here. He is from Poland, but I, I, won't, I won't say more than that. I know, I know where you're at though. Hope all is well, hope all is well. What is the picture, that medical thing in that picture? Does anyone know what that is? It's hard enough to say, by the way. 
I will wait just for a second. But I have another uh, sentence here for you. Preemptive medicine is medicine you take before you get sick. So maybe your doctor has an idea. Like maybe you have a family history. How about that? Maybe you have a family history of heart trouble. And so the doctor may prescribe medicine before you get sick, as you get older. Or maybe you have a family history of high blood pressure. That's what we say in English. I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what that is, but I think it's when the blood rushes through your body too quickly. So if you have a family history of high blood pressure, maybe a father, a mother, grandmother, grandfather who had high blood pressure, you might get some preemptive medicine. So maybe in your 30s, before your blood pressure gets high, you are given some medicine. Hope that helps. Hope that helps. Oh, Sita. Hey, uh, I appreciate the super chats. Thank you so much. That is so kind of you. So kind of you. Um, that's very nice of you. That's very nice of you. Um, it means a lot. Um, and I am thankful that I am here able to teach in my nice warm home. I'm very safe. Uh, that money is very helpful. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, normally I would play a little something, but it doesn't quite feel right. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's very kind of you. Very kind of you. Preventive. Yes. Preventive. Yes. That is something to prevent something from happening. So you might have preventive medicine as well. As well. Yes. Nicely done, Harry. Yeah. So prevent to stop something before it happens. Preemptive. It's, it's very similar. Very similar. Um, let's use it with war, though. With preventive, maybe the army would set up a barricade. That would be a preventive move. That would be there's no battle, but it would stop the army from coming. Okay. All right. Uh, back to Sita. Thank you so much for that super chat. It is, um, it, is a, it is a little strange for me to um, celebrate the Super Chat right now, though, because I know so many people are uh, suffering in Ukraine right now. But thank you. It, it does mean a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Preventive. Preventive. Preemptive. Very, very close. Constantine, how are you, my friend? I hope you are doing well. The next one blindside blindside you can use this in war okay i am sure ukrainians were blindsided by putin's attack when you are blindsided it means you are surprised so if you take a look at that woman in the picture she's clearly smiling she doesn't realize she is about to be hit so we sometimes use blindsided 
in war, like I have there, the Ukrainians were blindsided by Putin's attack. They didn't realize it was coming. I think a poll was taken before the Russia, the, the Putin's army came into Ukraine. And I think most said there will be no war. Now, now, not to get into history too much. Now, there has been a war in the western part of Ukraine for a long time, for many years. But the fact that the war has come to Lviv and um, Kiev, that might be a shock. So they might have been blindsided by that. But we can also use blindsided in regular everyday English. Anytime you are surprised by something. Okay, so she was blindsided by the news of the earthquake. Really quickly, just to mention, um, there was an earthquake, by the way, and I will use earthquake in another example later on. But there was an earthquake in Indonesia. So I hope everyone uh, in Indonesia is doing well. It was a rather large earthquake believe it was a uh, 6.2 earthquake. And in English, we say magnitude, like how strong it was. So you might be blindsided by the news of an earthquake. So we can't predict earthquakes. We never really know when they are going to happen. So you might be blindsided by the news of the earthquake. So I'm sure most people in Indonesia are sleeping now, but if you are watching this on replay, I hope everyone is okay there. I have heard of some reports of deaths, and uh, obviously that is never good. But we were talking about blindsided. The next one, skirmish. You will often hear skirmishes happening during war. And what a skirmish is, it's a small battle, a small fight. So maybe at the border of Ukraine right now, there are skirmishes going on. Small little battles, not big armies. Skirmish, skirmish. Skirmishes often happen before the real war happens. Skirmish at the border. Hope that is helping. I will check the chat here. Oh, Harry. Well, I hope all is well in Indonesia. And I know that you are up very late. Night owl. Let's see. Stethoscope. Stethoscope. That thing right there. I'm glad you said that, Amina, and I'm glad you spelled it because I can't spell it. Stethoscope. It's hard enough to pronounce. Stethoscope. Nicely done, Amina. Nicely done. All right, skirmish is where we were at. Ooh, next one, bayonet. Uh-oh, Constantine. Weird and strange. Um, hey, Constantine, really quickly, uh, there's no real difference between weird and strange. I think we use them interchangeably, I think. There's, wow, 
Um, I heard a strange noise last night that woke me up. Um, that man is giving me a strange look. That man is giving me a weird look. Yeah, I think you can use those both interchangeably. Skirmish, skirmish. Any more? I don't think so. All right, the next one. Uh, this, you might see this. This is more for war and history, historical wars, not so many modern day wars, but you might see a bayonet at the end of a gun. Or you could say a knife at the end of a gun. People would know what you mean, but you might hear bayonet. Hopefully there is no fighting with bayonets in this war because we would call it close combat. Close combat when people are fighting, maybe hand-to-hand combat, we could also call it. Um, and that's that's really bad, of course. Bullets uh, are bad enough at a distance. Bombs are bad enough at a distance. But if there is fighting with bayonets, that's really close combat, hand-to-hand combat, we might say. Constant, yeah, you're welcome. So weird, strange, odd, they're pretty much all synonyms. The next one, foxhole. Let me make that a little bit bigger. Foxhole. The animal pictured is a fox. But that soldier is in his foxhole. Mary, you're on. How are you? Welcome. Melee. I don't have this as one of the vocabulary words, but we can talk about melee right now. Melee is another term for a fight. When I hear melee, I often think of a riot where people are going crazy, stores are being robbed, maybe a concert, a music concert gets out of hand, gets too wild. That is uh, what I think of when I hear melee, melee. So nice. Uh, Sometimes, Constantine, weird has a broader meaning. Supernatural. Yeah, it it can. It can. But uh, sometimes I think they are used interchangeably. But you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Let's look at a sentence here with foxhole. The soldier waited in his foxhole for the enemy. Foxhole. So you could, going back to our preemptive, preventative, um, digging a foxhole, that would be a preventive strategy. You know the army will be coming soon, so you might dig into your foxhole. All right, the next one is uh, one of my least favorites, unfortunately. But refugees, refugees. Here is a sentence with refugees. 
The refugees fled from their homes to the country's borders. Refugees are always people, you know, they are always people who are fleeing. You can see I have the past tense of flee in that sentence, and it is spelled F-L-E-E. Refugees are people who flee from their country. They leave their country because of war, because of war. Um, it could be also because of famine. If there is a lot of hunger in the country, we would call it famine. So you might see people leaving their country because of famine or war, refugees, or um, harsh treatment. I can imagine in North Korea right now. Now, thankfully, there is no war in North Korea. But I think most people would agree there is some pretty harsh treatment in North Korea. The North Koreans do not have their freedom. So if somebody left North Korea, there's also famine in North Korea too, but we would call them refugees. They are running away from their country for a bad reason, refugees. I hope that helps. The next one is camouflage. Camouflage. I think that's fun to say. Camouflage. And in this picture, I don't have a soldier. I have a hunter. And if you see the pattern on his clothing, we would call that camouflage. Camouflage can also be used as a verb. The hunter was camouflaged in the woods. That's another way to say hidden, camouflaged, camouflaged. Hopefully that helps, camouflage. Let me take a look here in the comments just to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. KS from Russia, I hope you are doing well. Yes, and I see what is what is happening. Um, two innocent Russians right now. Um, I'm also, my heart goes out. That's a word you can use or a phrase you can use. That you can use whenever you are feeling empathy for someone. Empathy is when you feel like you know how they are feeling. Empathy. So my heart goes out to Ukrainians, of course. They're dealing with something horrific. They are innocent. Putin is awful. I hope we can agree. And Putin is hurting his own country. And there are a lot of innocent Russians who do not want this war, and they are also being hurt. The Russian ruble has fallen because of Putin's actions. I'm also, um, my heart goes out to the Poles. I know Alan was in here earlier. A lot of refugees are pouring into Poland, leaving Ukraine because of the war. 
And I suspect that Romania is also feeling the burden of refugees. Nice. Harry, camouflage jacket. I have a couple students in my class who also wear camouflage. Some of them hunt. Some of them don't. But a lot of people in the United States. Katerina, I mentioned you earlier. I hope everything is doing well, going well for you there. Katerina says, I live in Ukraine. I ask everyone to pray for Kiev, for Kharkov, for every city. The leader of Russia is just killing, destroying Ukrainians, peaceful people. Yeah. Awful. Awful. I'm sure many of us are sitting at home just wishing we could do something. And there's not a lot we can do. It's a helpless feeling. Helpless feeling. All right. Jamie is, uh, I think, at the gym right now. But she is, um, and I like the the color. We got some yellow. We got some yellow and blue. Uh, Ukraine. My heart goes out to uh, Ukraine right now. All right. I do not have a camouflage jacket. No, I do not, Harry. Um, they're cool though. All right. Let's get back to the lesson. I was just checking to see if anyone. Um, has any comments and Katarina um, I know I will be making a donation to a group called UNICEF and they are in Ukraine now trying to help in any way they can. So uh, I, I hope this ends soon. I hope this ends soon. I hope this doesn't spill over into other parts of the world. Okay. Um, yeah, tough stuff, tough stuff, tough topic. All right, uh, the next thing, camouflage. Surrender, surrender. This is something I hope the Ukrainians never have to do. Surrender, though, often happens in war. And it's a, another way to say give up, or that you admit you lost. I have a feeling that most Ukrainians will never surrender. Um, this is not new for Ukrainians. Ukrainians have a long history of suffering. They are caught in between uh, two very powerful um, powers. The West. Russia. Even in the Soviet Union. Um, Stalin you know, I almost talked about genocide. Um, maybe we can do number two, a part two of this um, vocabulary with war. But the, the Ukrainians have suffered for a long time, caught in the middle again. But I have a feeling Ukrainians will never surrender. But the white flag is often a symbol of surrender. If somebody is done fighting, they might raise the white flag. That means I give up. Surrender. The next one is crosshairs. So if you have a gun and you look through the scope, it's what we call the part of the gun that you might see crosshairs, that almost 
X on its side, we call those crosshairs, crosshairs. Now they can be used in war. The soldier looked through the crosshairs to hit the target. That might be a sentence you could use for war and crosshairs, but we also use it in everyday life. So if you feel like you are in the crosshairs of something, you could feel threatened by it. It does not have to be any physical harm, but I, I have this sentence here. Somebody feels like they made a mistake at work and they might get fired. They might lose their job. They might get let go. No, they might, they might be let go. What is that? They think they might be let go. They might be let go of their job. That's how we say that one. I felt as if I was in my boss's crosshairs. I could be fired any day. So if you are feeling threatened by something, you might feel like you are in the crosshairs. Hope that helps. Let me check the comments just to make sure there are no questions about any of these words. Yes, Samra, our hearts are with you. Yes, everyone in Ukraine, um, they did not ask for this. Yeah, that would be great if Putin just admits, I messed up. I know thousands of people have died because of me, but um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm a bad leader. I'm going to step down. Another phrasal verb. Uh, something tells me he won't ever step down either, unfortunately. But he's hurting his own people. And I know his own people know that. All right. Um, crosshairs. Oh, Lucian. Um, Lucian from Romania. Um, yeah, World War Three is approaching. I don't know anymore. You know, I never thought that um, Putin would invade Ukraine. But I know uh, not far from Romania is a, a place called Moldova and Transnistria um, is, a, is a I don't know. I hope that I hope it ends here and it doesn't spread. But you never know, right? You never know. Oh, no. Is it a noun? Uh, crosshairs, I think, is what you're asking. It is a noun. Yes, crosshairs is a noun. Good question. Good question. Oh, no, I can't. What is that? What is that country? Is that? Let me get this. Huh. Well, that is the Georgian flag. If you are from Georgia, welcome. Um, Georgia is very familiar with Putin's ways. Georgia was attacked. The capital of uh, Georgia is uh, Tbilisi, right? Tbilisi. So welcome if you're uh, living in Tbilisi. I hope all is well. Ah, uh, geez. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, I'm worried, obviously. I uh, have a lot of friends in Taiwan now. Yep, that worries me. Uh, but it seems like 
even the Chinese government told Putin, no, not good, not good. All right, I can hear my dog uh, barking. He is in his kennel. Um, I hope he. I hope he's not bothering, bothering you right now. All right, crosshairs. The next one is evacuate. The next one is evacuate, and that is anytime you need to leave somewhere. We might use this with war. Yes. So the civilians had to evacuate their houses. Or the army had to evacuate their bunker. I did not use bunker here, but bunker is where soldiers stay. It's usually made of concrete, and um, that is where they can't be hurt, or they are less likely to be hurt in a bunker. Sometimes bunkers are underground. There were just so many terms I could have put here that I left some out, but bunker. We also could talk about a fire. You may have to evacuate a building because of a fire. Here's a sentence for you. The children evacuated their school as the fire raged. And I wanted to use a different kind of verb for you, raged as if the fire is really, really strong. Yeah, I hope you can. I am very distracted right now by my dog or by Hank, my wife's dog. So I'm not sure why he's barking, but uh, sorry about that. Now, if I make this a little bigger, evacuate, that blue sign is actually often found near beaches in the United States. And that little white symbol in the middle of that blue sign means hurricane. So if there is a hurricane, you might have an evacuation route. So evacuation can be used as a noun. It can be used as a verb right there. So that would be a place to find safety if a hurricane is coming. That would be a preventative measure or a preemptive measure if you are going to leave the city before the hurricane comes. And the other picture, more red and white, um, that's an evacuation plan. A lot of schools have evacuation plans just in case there is a fire. Hope that helps, hope that helps. The next one is guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare. So this one, I believe comes from the French. Put that back up there. Guerrilla warfare. And I wanted to use this one for this war that's going on in Ukraine. Now, if Putin's army is able to get to Kiev, it seems like they're having a hard time doing that. The Ukrainians are putting up a stiff resistance. I don't have stiff resistance for this, but anytime somebody is fighting back and they're fighting back hard, you can say stiff resistance. So if Putin's army is able to get into Kiev, I have a feeling we will see guerrilla warfare. And what that is, is when maybe the army 
but it might be regular everyday people. They have a gun. They're not part of the army, but they're shooting from buildings and running away or they're shooting, excuse me, shooting behind trees and they're running away. It is not a big army that is fighting. It's small groups of people. They take a few shots and they run, they hide. And when wars go into cities, a lot of times you have guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare. That's how the United States, or it was the colonies at the time, fought off the British. We didn't have a big army. We had little armies that would shoot from trees and run away, shoot from farmhouses and run away. Um, it can be very effective. Later on, we're going to talk about offensive and defensive, and I might talk about guerrilla warfare again. The next one is debris. Debris, that is how that is pronounced. I know there's an S at the end, but we pronounce it debris, debris. And you can see in that picture, it looked like there was a house there before, now there is only debris, debris. So we use debris. It's almost like trash. But after a war, when buildings have crumbled or after a hurricane or after an earthquake, we might say there was only debris left. So... Um, Excuse me, I have to cough. Should get some water. So it's um, families' homes that once were there but are now crumbled. Large buildings, uh, trees can be part of debris if everything is all mixed up. Debris. Hope that helps. The next one is patriotism. So next one, okay. Patriotism. Now, let's be careful with this one. Oh, my gosh. I had one more for, for uh, guerrilla warfare. And I know some people use these sentences to shadow. So let me read this sentence word for word. The Ukrainians are on the defensive and could use guerrilla warfare. So let's just for a second talk about offensive and defensive. We can use this with war, but we can also use this with sports. So if anybody watches football, not soccer, but uh, soccer for Americans, football, football, defensive, defensive. These are players that are trying to stop the other team from scoring defensive players. In this war, I would say the Ukrainians are on the defensive. Putin's army invaded Ukraine. They are trying to defend their homeland. They are trying to defend their homes. Offensive. Those are the players in football who are trying to score. In war, oftentimes, 
it's easier to be on the defensive. You can get to your supplies easier. You know the terrain. You know where buildings are. You know where to hide in guerrilla warfare. It is very hard to invade and take over another nation. So the Ukrainians are on the defensive. Putin's army is on the offensive. Now, if Putin's army is forced out of Ukraine, then the Ukrainians would be on the offensive. I hope that helps. I hope that helps. Debris. Sorry, we have one more sentence for debris. Debris can be found after wars and natural disasters like earthquakes. Hope that helps. One more time with that shadowing in case anyone is watching on replay or you want to pause the live stream or you're listening on the podcast. Debris can be found after wars and natural disasters like earthquakes. Hope that helps. Before we get to patriotism, because that's a tricky one, I would like to check in the comments to see if there are any questions. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, Not the happiest of topics. That is true. Uh, Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, Brent, is it possible for you to go live on both Facebook and YouTube at the same time? It is possible. The only problem was when I went live, my friends saw me on their Facebooks. They're like, why are you teaching me English? So I would love to go live on Facebook too. Maybe I'll use a different account, but I showed up, showed up in a lot of my friends' Facebook feeds. So I only went one time, one time. Hey, Judith, I'm glad you are here. Let's see. I saw evacuate. Um, can we use it when we need to evacuate people? Yes. So when we're talking about evacuating, we are talking about people. And we would probably use the preposition from to describe where they're leaving. Um, let's see. So you might say the soldiers are evacuating from the makeshift camp. We'll talk about that in a minute. Talk about that in a minute. So, yeah. All right. Thank you. You've remembered Ukraine. Oh, I live near Odessa. My friends live in Odessa sometimes, hear the explosion sounds. It's very scary for them. I uh, I still, I would love to visit Odessa right on the Black Sea. It looks like a beautiful town. I want to visit Kiev. Uh, oh, phew, phew. Can't hear the dog. That's great. Sam, you're up very late. Ah, Tbilisi is in the house. Tbilisi is in the house. 
Uh, French word, Eric says. Now, there, for some reason, there are a lot of French words or French roots in English when we talk about war. So debris would be from the French gorilla, which is very close to the French word for war. So Eric, thank you for that. Patriotism isn't actually, hang on. There was one more. Well, Constantine, that's, that's so true. Um, World War three will, will be the last one. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into, um, you know, nuclear weapons and stuff, but it does sound like Putin said he wasn't afraid to use nuclear weapons if he had to. At least that's what I heard. Maybe not, but yeah, let's hope that let's hope that does not happen. World War Three. All right. Um, debris, debris. All right, let's see. Raphael. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I feel bad for um, a lot of the soldiers fighting um, in Putin's war. I, I don't know if that is one reason why it is taking Putin's army so long to get to Kiev, I know that I've heard that Ukrainians are putting up stiff resistance. But I wonder how many soldiers in Putin's army are like, I know these are my orders. Orders are when you have to do something in the army. But their heart might not be in it. Like, I know. And even in the American army, in the U.S. Army, if you disobey an order, you could be put in prison. You could be put to death. So, yeah, it is sad that we need to focus on this topic. And I wish this would be the last time we had to talk about war. Something tells me it's not. It's not. Chef Ket is here. So Lucian is from Romania. He says, our government helps Ukraine's people with food and places to sleep. Today, Romania also sent military equipment costing 3 million euros. Everyone says World War III is a possible scenario. Hope there is peace. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It definitely is possible. It's good. Good words here. Uh, from Katerina, Ukraine. I wish everyone to hold their mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, husband, child, be healthy. Don't argue with them. I love you, everyone. Yeah, really, um, when these things happen, I think a lot of us living away from the war, hopefully stop and think that um, how lucky we are not to have to worry about this. The United States... <sighs> And I was thinking about this, you know, the United States has bombed other countries and it has not been popular in the U.S. with everyone. So my government doesn't always speak for me. Right. 
I disagree with my government all the time. So that's one thing. And I think everyone here knows this, but the people are not the government. You can hate the government. You can hate Putin. I hate Putin. You can hate Putin. But that doesn't mean he speaks for all Russians, right? It's very complicated, but Michael Steiner, how are you, my friend? All right, so let's um, move in. Uh, the comments are, are so interesting, though. All right, Ken Flory from Togo. Uh, I'm wondering, why is it taking so long for Western countries to help Ukraine? Great question, right? Great question. Um, one thing we might say is it's complicated. It's complicated. Um, was it Germany? I know sent a lot. Uh, countries are sending supplies. I know that the U.S. government has been helping Ukraine for a long time. Is it enough? Well, doesn't look like it. Um, but yeah, I don't want to get too much into um, the politics because um, it does get complicated. I am just an English teacher. I don't want my opinion to be in here too much. But um, my opinion, I, I hope that Putin is insane, right? I don't mind saying that. He's either insane or he is just a horrible, awful awful thing. I don't even want to say um, human being. All right. Nightbot is here. This I think this is a fake Nightbot, but welcome Nightbot from India. Watch out for that person. Uzbekistan is in the house. Uzbekistan, welcome. Uzbekistan. The uh, great country. Love it. Um, but yeah, can I? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. I'll, I'll let people chat in the chat and I will get back to teaching. How about that? Thank you, Ken, though. Ken lives in the United States now. Welcome. The next one is, let me pull it up here, patriotism. Patriotism. Now, I used the United States in these pictures, but this can go for whatever country you live in. Patriotism. We do have the bald eagle. I saw someone mention the bald eagle here. Oh my goodness. Wait, what? Judith, what? What is your opinion about the differences about this war and a war like the French Revolution in 1789? Uh, yeah, so we're going to get, uh, I, it's, it's going to be very complicated there because you had the French king so many people wanted to overthrow that government. I, I don't believe the Ukrainian people want to overthrow uh, Zelensky. So uh, I don't think I can make too many comparisons there. Patriotism. Let's look at this. The, the chat is so interesting, though. Thank you all for being here. So patriotism is the love for your own country. And often we say this in a good way. It's, it's great to love your own country. You can be very proud to be from whatever country you are from. That is patriotism. 
I have a fair amount of patriotism for my country, the United States. I love my country. I don't think my country is perfect. Nationalism, be careful, because it's almost like patriotism, love for your own country. But nationalism is when it gets dangerous. That is when you love your country so much that you want to hurt other countries. So I may say, and I don't believe this, but hey, everybody should act like the U.S. So we should take over Canada so they can be free like us. Nationalism can get very scary. Nationalism can cause wars. When a lot of people think, hey, my country is the best. We need to invade other places so they can be just like us. Patriotism is good. The love for your own country. People who display strong nationalism probably wouldn't mind hurting other countries. So we have patriotism. It's good. I celebrate the 4th of July. I celebrate my country's independence. Be careful. Nationalism gets a little bad. Not so good. Enlist. I want to talk about these two together. Enlist. And then, big word here, draft and conscription. Conscription. Let's talk about enlist first. You might hear this in English when talking about war. And soldiers who enlist, they want to join. They sign up willingly. They volunteer. They say, I want to join the army. So here are a couple sentences. The soldiers enlisted in the army. They signed up willingly. They volunteered. So you can enlist. There are a lot of people that I know in the United States who enlist. They sign up and say, I want to be in the army or the Navy for my career. That's their career. Maybe they join for a couple years and their college is paid for. Their school is paid for. Now, the other one is when someone is drafted or they're conscripted. Conscripted is a bigger word. Drafted is when the country says you must join the army. You have no choice. You are in the army. You are drafted. So the last time the United States had a draft was in 1973. That is when the country said to young men, you need to join the army. Now, when a male, when a boy, when a man turns 18 in the United States, he must sign up for something called the selective service. Selective service. I don't have that written down anywhere. But that means that if we do have a war and we need people to fight, 
you will be drafted. So when I turned 18, I think I had to go to the post office and sign up for selective service. Now, I know in some countries like like Russia or Finland or Denmark, there is a draft. There is conscription. So it differs from country to country. But when a male turns 18, I think they must join the military for a year or two. In Finland and in Denmark, I think it's one year. I think you you must join the army for one year. I think the same is true in Russia. I think you if you have a medical problem, you don't have to. But so very difficult enlist, you volunteer for the army. Draft, if you're drafted in the army, you don't have a choice. You have to do it. Let's check the comments just to see. Yeah. Arroni. How are you, man? Yeah, now we are seeing real nationalism. Yeah, by Putin, that is for sure. Ah, Moldova is in the house. Ah, a lot of people are, are coming to Moldova from Ukraine, right? And I did mention Transnistria. It's on the western, uh, sorry, eastern part of Moldova. And uh, hopefully um, that is not Putin's next target. Transnistria, I think I'm saying that wrong, has to join um, overthrow. Okay. Overthrow is a new vocabulary word. Yeah. So if, um, if a leader is overthrown, that means they were forced out. They had to leave their country. They were no longer in control of their country. So some people say that Putin's goal right now is to overthrow Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. Of course, I hope that never happens. More Putin hate. I can never read enough Putin hate. Yeah, definitely. I hate Putin. I never voted for him. Very sorry and sad for what happens now. Hello from the south coast of the White Sea. Hey, well, thank you for those comments. Yeah, it doesn't sound like Putin was elected fairly. But, you know, now we're getting into Western press and it's, it's hard to believe everything you read. But thank you for those comments. I sure can. That's a great question. So recruiting. Oh, my gosh. And reservist. All right. Great question. So um, recruited, and I will use this for the army. So the army often recruits young men and women to join the army. When Americans graduate high school, they might go to college. They might get a job. 
but the army might recruit them. And that is the army saying, hey, come join us. We have a lot of benefits. We have a lot of good things. We could pay for your school. You will get in shape. You will earn money. So colleges in the United States also recruit. If a student is very smart, scores well on tests, they might offer money. We call it a scholarship. Hey, come to our college. Come to our university. We think we can help you. And you can help us. So recruit. Now, a reservist. In the United States, we do have the Army Reserves, um, Air Force Reserves, I think. Reserve is when you're part of the Army, but you're not active. That's what we call it. You're not active military. You do not live on an Army base. You live at home. My principal at one time was in the army reserves. And I think for two weeks a year, they have to leave and train. And one weekend, one weekend a month, they have to leave and train. But if the government needed them, they would be called up. That's the phrasal verb we use. They would be required to join. Right now in my state, I think we have some reservists who are helping out in hospitals because we don't have enough nurses. That's a whole nother story, but it does um, have something to do with COVID. So um, you can use drafted in the passive in the passive form. I thought that was a possessive form uh, or past tense. I don't know so much um, about the actual forms. Um, and this is why I always say like, you don't need to know what the tenses are. You just need to know how to use them. Lots and lots of listening. Raphael, good afternoon. So the passive form of draft I don't know. Yeah. The soldier was drafted into the army. The army drafted the soldier. Hopefully that helps. I don't think it does though. Great question, Fiaz. Great question. I hope I'm saying your name right too. All right. Back to the lesson. The next one, ammunition. This is uh, what we use, a fancy name for bullets. Ammunition is another name for bullets. Ammunition. Ammunition. War of attrition. Now, of course, I hope this does not happen in Ukraine. What a war of attrition is, is when two armies just keep fighting and fighting. There are a lot of losses on both sides, a lot of deaths, a lot of injuries, a lot of money being lost on both sides. And basically each side says, 
whoever can last the longest, a war of attrition. Just keep fighting and fighting. It doesn't matter how many bodies there are. If you know anything about history, World War I, and even World War II, um, it's a war of attrition. World War I, if you know about the history of World War I, it's probably a better example. But soldiers dug in, dug in their foxholes and just waited, bombing. And just like whoever could last the longest, whoever could last longer if there are only two armies. Now, I put teeth on there, teeth, because a lot of times we will use the phrasal verb worn down, worn down. And I wanted to use the teeth because let's say you chew a lot of ice. If you chewed on ice for years, you would probably wear down your teeth. They would get smaller and smaller slowly. And when there is a war of attrition, that's what armies hope to do to the other side. They hope to wear them down. It usually takes a long time and there's a lot of times loss of life. Lots of money goes to fighting a war of attrition. I hope that helps. I knew that was going to be an advanced term, but I was hoping I could teach everybody at least one thing, and it's difficult, a war of attrition. We do use that in everyday life sometimes too. Just checking the comments. Looks like Mary had to leave. Hungry. Hungry is in the house. And I know uh, Hungary and Germany, I think yesterday, said uh, that the Russians could no longer bank with something called SWIFT. That's what we call it in English. And um, that's pretty, pretty devastating, unfortunately, for everyday Russians, right? Because this is not their war. But just another... Another um, thing that says, you know, Putin is hurting his own people too. And it doesn't seem like he cares, right? Uh, what's the difference between onslaught and attack? Uh, pretty much nothing. But when I hear onslaught, I think of a really bad attack. A really bad attack. Um, the army faced an onslaught of bullets. The army was attacked with bullets. So a little bit of a different usage there, but hope everyone's doing well. LF, hope you are doing well. Oh, yes. Oh, saying goodbye to a friend. Well, I know it's uh, late in Iran. I'm glad you're still here, Mary. This might be the, no, we've got two more. Atrocities, atrocities. I did not put an actual picture of what atrocities are, but almost in every single war, there are going to be atrocities. When we think of war, 
I think we think of soldiers fighting. That is bad enough. Atrocities are when things happen that are even worse than that. So I don't really want to get into what atrocities are, but think of the worst things that can happen. For example, how about this? I will use Stalin. Hopefully everyone in here can agree Stalin was a, a bad man. Well, he starved the Ukrainian people for years. That would be an atrocity. Starving a population when you are the leader of a country and you don't allow food to go in, that would be an atrocity. So really, really bad things. The worst of the worst. So when you hear atrocities in English, think of really bad things. Really bad things. Wow. 2.27 a.m. We'll get some sleep. Yes. Thank you. Great lesson. But yes, heavy topic. Heavy topic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, LF, what's the difference between border and frontier? So in English, in the United States, the border would be the edge of a country, the edge of a country. So the United States borders Canada, right? Like right at the edge where the United States and Canada meet, that's the border. Now frontier, I think of way away from the city, not near the city, not a lot of people live there. And it's usually near the border. So, uh, like in the United States, Detroit and Toronto, those are big cities. They're at the border of the United States. I wouldn't call that the frontier. So think of frontier way away from the city. Not a lot of people live there. I hope that helps. I hope that helps. Atrocities. Not a good one. I believe this is the last one of this uh, very difficult lesson. Not fun to talk about, but sometimes when uh, you're teaching or learning English, you have to learn about the bad things. Actually, before we, I forgot something. I want to mention um, this. So we talked about the earthquake in Indonesia. Awful. You know, the one thing, I mean, the earthquake in Indonesia is awful. I hope everybody is okay. I know there have been some deaths. That We can't prevent that. No person caused that. What's happening in Ukraine can be stopped by one man, Putin. And that's what makes this so much worse. Earthquakes are bad. They're horrible. But wars that don't need to be fought are even worse. One person can stop this. And I know he's not watching. I know he's not watching. And I know we're all here on the same side, but geez, felt like I had to say that.
Okay, so, but the other thing I wanted to mention with ammunition is what Zelensky said. And um, you can see a picture of our president. His name is Joe Biden. And uh, Zelensky is the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky. President Biden said, we can get you out of Ukraine. Now, I don't know how they would do that. It would probably involve some special forces. Special forces are small, highly trained parts of the military. But Zelensky told Biden, he used ammunition there, to, I need ammunition. I need bullets, not a ride. Going back to ammunition. He says, I need ammunition, not a ride. So he is staying willing to fight for his country. The last one is civilian casualties. Civilian casualties. I wanted to teach two words with one term. Civilian. This means a person who is not in the military. So somebody who is not in the military. Civilians are the opposite of soldiers. Okay. Civilians are not soldiers. They are the opposites. Casualties. In English, when somebody, or I should say when an army experiences casualties, it's two things. It's injuries and it's also deaths. So injuries and deaths are added together and those are casualties. So anytime a person who's not in the military is hurt or killed because of war, we would call that a civilian casualty. So they could be hurt, maybe badly, maybe a minor injury or killed. That is a casualty. And you will often hear that with numbers. Today, there were 17 casualties. Five were civilian casualties. I'm just making numbers up there. I hope that helps. Civilian casualties. Civilian casualties. Oh, geez. It's really hot where you're at. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I can't be silent about this. Thank you, though, Miroslaw. That's one of the things that, I mean, there are no politics here. um, But I just think it's so wrong that I have no problems voicing my opinion about the Ukrainian people. And if you don't like it, you know, unsubscribe, find another English teacher. But I think most people around the world agree. This is just so unnecessary. I know my thoughts are with the Ukrainian people. My heart goes out to the Ukrainian people and anybody who's being affected. You know, people in Poland, they are going to be affected. A lot of refugees come pouring in to the country and it takes money. So I know the Polish people have been very supportive of the Ukrainians. 
the Romanians, the Moldovans. So my heart goes out to anyone who is actually affected by this war. It's not just Ukraine and Russia. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's going to be a lot of people affected. <clears throat> Excuse me. I need to take a... Um... Mm. Well, you know what? There could be a typo there. It would not surprise me that I'm that I missed an, an I or something. Um, I am not the world's best speller. But if you think there is a typo there, chances are you are right. An English teacher who can't spell. I don't know. I don't know if there is a uh, typo there or not, though. But could be. Well, yeah, not too. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Um, tough the west unfortunately uh, yeah i don't want to get too much into this but the west has to tiptoe they have to handle this situation delicately lightly now if there is any fighting in poland or estonia it's a no-brainer you don't have to think about it the West will come in. They will come in hard. Estonia, Poland, part of NATO. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's not get to I'm just going to stay here and try to teach English. And the only um, opinion I will, I will voice is much love to Ukraine, much hatred towards Putin. How about keep that? All right. I want to thank you all for being so civil in the chat. But I think we can all be on the same side here, right? This is not, you know, there are not really two sides to this war. There's, I think most people in the world feel the same way. So I hope this lesson has helped. I know that uh, there is a lot of talk about war in the world right now. I wish I didn't have to do this lesson, but I figured doing this lesson might help somebody out when they're trying to learn English. So of course, uh, much love to all of the Ukrainians out there. Wish uh, I could support you more in some way. All right. Thanks for joining me. I will see you later in the week on a much happier topic. Adios. Welcome. 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 Looks like we are live. Today, we will be talking about love and relationships. I think I have about 13 terms for you, about 20 sentences you can practice shadowing with. So let's get started. But before we do that, I do need to mention a couple special channel members. They left uh, some super chats for me. So here we go. Let's see. First, Amina. Thank you. She left a super chat on this lesson last night before we uh, we got started. So thank you so much, Amina. Oh, thank you so much for the super chat. Yeah, Amina has been so generous over the last uh, couple years, about two years, uh, the channel has been going. It'll be two years next month. So I also need to say thank you to Yawin. Thank you so much for the super chat. 
Got a little something here for you. Oh, thank you so much for the super chat. So it does it does mean a lot. It really helps out the channel. So thank you so much for that. You know what also helps out the channel? It's hitting that thumbs up. So if you could do that for me, that would be amazing. Welcome to everyone watching live. It's not a common time that I go. So I have a feeling the audience will be a little smaller, but hello to everybody watching live and then hello to anybody watching on replay. Hey, you know who's here though? Talk Italian with Aroni. Bon Natale, amico mio. Audie's here. Yulia is here. Welcome. Welcome. Russia is in the house. How are you? Freddie Wolf. France is in the house. France is in the house. Hey, um, Freddie's wondering how am I doing after the feasts? Yeah, I have been indulging. <laughs> I thought of this word yesterday and thought maybe I should do a short lesson on indulging. But uh, yeah, I've been eating quite a bit. I've been relaxing. I think that's what vacations are all about, right? You know, so I've been indulging. I've been probably eating a little bit too much, but uh, I do need to maybe start working out. Looks like, is Jamie here? Jamie might be. Oh yeah, Jamie, my wife is here. She is also on vacation. So it's been great. Just that's all we did yesterday was we hung out on the couch. That's it all day, probably watching TV. All right. Well, it's a little bit later than I, I thought in Japan. 11 p.m. Well, thanks for joining. And yeah, when again, got a little cough button there. The allergies are playing around with me. Yeah, when thank you so much again for that super chat. It means a lot. Thank you. Let's get into the lesson. Like I said, we have uh, 30, no, 13 different vocabulary words for you. And about 20 sentences that you can practice. So I think we might be here about 30 minutes or so. So let's do it. This is all about relationships. So in English, when we say relationships, that could be just like a mother and a son. Could be a brother and a sister. We will get to some of those terms later but if you say somebody is in a relationship they are in a relationship that means more about like love they might be dating we'll talk about dating in just a minute but as you can see in that slide right there those two people they look like they are in a relationship so relationships We'll talk about related in a minute too, but a relationship might mean that they have something to do with love, or it could be that they are related. We'll talk about related by marriage. We'll talk about related by blood in a little bit. Now, this next sentence here, clearly, they are a couple. I think we'll talk about that term. The first term is always the hardest 
because I'm using so many terms we will talk about later in the lesson. But that sentence right down there, if you want to practice shadowing, I will uh, say it hopefully very clearly and very slowly for you. They have been in a relationship since last summer. So you might say that they're dating. They're dating. So those two terms can be used in pretty much the same way. They are in a relationship or they are dating. So that dating is what a couple might do before they get married. How about this though? Going back to relationship. She doesn't have a good relationship with her brother. Now that's another way to say they don't get along very well. So maybe they are, uh, they've become quite distant. They're not exactly close anymore. Say hello. Oh yeah, Manuel. We know where Manuel lives. I believe in Spain, right? Very beautiful, beautiful island, I think. Um, so Abuba is wondering, does a relation does a person get relations with an object? I mean, I suppose so. But if you're talking they are in a relationship or he is in a relationship with his car? No, I wouldn't say so. No, I wouldn't say so. No, we're mostly in this lesson, at least we're talking about just people, but I don't think objects would be involved either. Oscar, how are you? Yeah, we're here on a, a Sunday. Kind of strange, huh? The next one, dating. Dating. Again, this is something... An older term in English for dating would be courting. But if you ever see courting, it's not used that much in the United States anymore. You might hear uh, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, he is courting her. It means he's trying to marry her. Right now, we talk more about dating. And you can actually go on a date a lot of these words can be nouns or they can be verbs. A couple. That's another one. A couple. Now, sometimes we use it not in dating. So a couple of idiots just ran a red light. There's nothing to do with love or relationships there. This is talking about traffic and a car. You know, there's a green light, green means go, red means stop. If a car doesn't stop, they have run a red light. So if you hear a couple of something, that's different. But if you hear they are a couple, means they are romantic. They are in love. Let's practice shadowing that sentence again. A couple of idiots just ran a red light. So hopefully you know what running a red light is. Idiot is not a, not a very nice person. Dumb. A dumb person. But we could have something like they are related by marriage. 
they are related by marriage. Let's say there are two people and maybe they have uh, uh, one person has a father and the other person has a mother. So we're talking about two different people with a mother and a father. Now, if those two people get married, the two kids, they could be related by marriage. They might be stepbrother and stepsister. Related by blood is a little different. Those are brothers and sisters. They are related by blood. Mothers and sons, mothers and daughters, that kind of relationship, that would be related by blood. So they share some sort of DNA. I have another sentence there for you. Rebecca and Sandra are related by marriage. So maybe they have a sister who married another guy. And so they might be sister-in-laws. I'm not getting into the actual names of relatives in this. A little bit more focus on the love. But I do believe there will be a part two for love and relationship here. So many terms. So many terms. So remember, a couple, they are two people who are dating. They are a couple. They are possibly in love. The next one you probably know, that is marriage. That's when things get real. So that is when a couple decides to take the plunge. You might hear that term when two people decide to get married. They have decided to take the plunge and get married. So in that picture, you will see there are two rings. Rings are often symbolic of marriage. I think many cultures use rings to symbolize two people being married. I actually have uh, my wedding ring on right now. I never take it off. That symbolizes that I am married to Jamie. I believe she is in the chat somewhere. And that piece of paper on that picture is called a marriage certificate. A marriage certificate. When you get married, you have to go down to the courthouse in the United States and you have to fill out some papers to show the government that you are married. And then they can charge you different types of taxes because you are married. Here's another sentence that you might want to practice shadowing with. They are going to get married in June of next year. So currently we are in 2021, the year 2021. So when you want to talk about June of 2022, June is a good month to get married. And also because the weather is usually pretty good. January, not a lot of people in the United States get married in January, or February, or March. Jamie and I decided to get married in May, which is a nice, nice month. 
But if somebody was going to get married next year and you want to talk about the month, you could say it like that sentence below. They are going to get married in June of next year. That lets people know that it is June 2022. Let's check. Oh, thank you. I like this method for learning the new language. Yeah, it's it's difficult to try to narrow down the terms when talking about love and relationships. There are so many terms. I wanted to keep it to about 13, but I promise there will be more parts to this lesson. Maybe next month we'll do a part two and we can talk about I think I might have cousins here, but we got siblings coming up later. But there are so many different. Yeah, could they be a couple then? Yes. These two people, they're probably a couple. And you can see they're making a heart with their hands. I would think uh, those two people right there are a couple. Now, a couple, it can be a man and a woman, it can be two women. It could be two men. It could be two people who don't have a gender. I think in a minute, we'll be talking about non-binary with an article I have. Uh, Hello, Teacher Brent. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a fascinating lesson and an exotic vocabulary word. Oh, thanks a bunch. Hey, happy to help. And it's also difficult to figure out Are these terms too easy or are they too difficult? Yeah. Hey, hope everything is going well in Germany. Mariposa. All right. And Jamie here, another expert on English and relationships. She says to Fabio, we sometimes do say they are an item. It's referring to two people being a couple. Yeah. You might hear that. Oh, yeah, they're an item now. It means that they are, they're dating. Yeah, a couple is dating. If you hear a, yeah, they're, they're an item. They're an item. A long time ago, so if you're watching older movies or reading older books, you might hear they are going steady. But we don't use that term anymore. They're going steady. That would be another term for dating but it's actually outdated. It's, it's no longer used. Maz, Maz is here. Good to see you here. Maz lives in Australia, but I don't know. Maybe he's in, uh, back in Iran. Um, I know he lives in both places. So welcome. Let's see. What's the next term here? Ride. So the next two terms, they go together. So if a woman is getting married, we might call her a bride, a bride. I think I might have a a couple sentences here using, oh yeah, here we go. Want to practice shadowing here? This is maybe for a woman who has not yet been married. She is going to make a beautiful bride. So maybe a couple people are talking, maybe some women, maybe her mother is talking. Oh, I can't wait until her wedding day. She is going to make a beautiful bride. It means she's going to look very lovely on her wedding day. Uh, 
The next one here is groom. Groom. I'm hoping that's a new term because they're related to two other terms in English. If you look at the sentence below, after the wedding, the groom becomes a husband and a bride becomes a wife. Yeah. Let's see here. You know, I'm looking. There should be a comma there. I missed a comma. Okay. I feel better now. There's a comma there. That That is grammatically correct now. After the wedding, the groom becomes a husband and a bride becomes a wife. All right. Groom, bride on their wedding day, af- <clears throat> excuse me, after the ceremony is over, we might say a wedding ceremony. You might hear that term, wedding ceremony. After the ceremony, the bride is now a wife and the groom is a husband. It's pretty much only on their wedding day you will hear those terms or maybe before they get married. Engagement. Engagement. So the next two are also related. Proposal and engagement. These might be new words for you. They can also be verbs too. We could change engagement to engaged. Here's a sample sentence. She is engaged. Another typo. This is, this is unprofessional here. What the heck? This is better. This is better. She is engaged to him. When we talk about engagement or we talk about engaged, that is when, see, where is it? That is when a couple, they no longer are dating. They have made a promise to each other to get married. So there's a time between dating and marriage, and we call that being engaged, an engagement period. You can see the tradition right here would be for the man to get down on one knee and present the woman with a ring. Now, when uh, Jamie and I got married, I did not get down on one knee. And 2021, almost 2022, in the United States, it has been legal for a long time that it does not have to be just a man marrying a woman. That is the traditional way, but it's not the only way. This picture I have is of a man proposing to a woman, but so I think of the next one now, but um, it's possible the woman could propose to the man or a woman could propose to a woman totally legal in the United States. Let's take a look at uh, some comments. Yeah, Jamie is not on camera, but she is also a teacher. So let's read her comment. Sometimes a man will call his wife his bride as a term of endearment. Example, my bride cooked a wonderful meal tonight. That's very possible. Even though the couple has been married for many years, 
certainly an older man might call his wife his bride. Just, you know, never to forget that they are married. Ooh, Freddie Wolf. Yeah. Hang on. Let me take a drink here. All right. So Jamie and I were talking and we will probably have spouse in the next lesson. But yeah, spouse, that is a great way. It takes the gender out of the terms, bride, groom, husband, wife, a spouse. It can be any gender. And it just means that somebody is married to another person. So I could definitely call Jamie, my spouse, when you're filling out important paperwork, you might see like spouse, yes or no, check yes or no if you have a spouse. So because spouse was mentioned, I'm going to fast forward through this. Uh, there aren't that many terms left, but this term here too, sibling, okay? sibling. Since Freddie Wolf mentions spouse, spouse takes the gender out of husband and wife. Sibling takes the gender out of brother and sister. So if like I have one brother and one sister, but I can say that I have two siblings it takes the gender out of brother and sister. Yeah, and as um, Jamie said, Brent is my spouse. I am his spouse. Yeah. Eh? Legal. Yeah, it, it's you can, as long as they are of a certain age, and in the United States that is 18, you can marry whoever you would like. Now, we do not have, it is not legal to marry more than one person at the same time. Maybe we can save that for another lesson on love and marriage, but polygamy, very big word. I don't have that written anywhere, but polygamy is the term for having more than one wife or more than one husband and uh, that is illegal in the United States. So we covered sibling here. Let's see. How about this one? Going back to engagement. Their engagement lasted six months. So there is a period between dating and marriage that we call engagement their engagement lasted six months. That could be pretty typical in the United States. I think the average time of engagement would be about six months to a year. The next one, proposal. These two terms are very much related. We can also change this to proposed to make it a verb. He proposed to her back in their hometown. So when I wrote this example sentence, I thought of two people maybe living in a town for college, 
but the guy wanted to make it special. Maybe that when they went back home on vacation or a break from college, he decided to propose to her back in their hometown. If you want to practice shadowing that sentence, maybe you're watching on replay, or if you're watching live, you can simply pause the video. He proposed to her back in their hometown. So if you're listening to the podcast, hey, please leave a rating for the podcast. It really helps other people other people find the podcast. Of course, if you if you haven't subscribed yet, come on, what are you waiting for? Don't forget, subscribe. Subscribe. You can also become a member if you like. We're always chatting on the Discord server there. The next one fiance fiance this can be pretty difficult or it can be pretty easy what i want to do is make this as easy as possible for you so i have an article that i found there are two different spellings for fiance but we pretty much only use one of them now and we'll get to that in a minute But a fiancé is what you call another person if you are engaged to them, but you are not yet married. And here you can see this woman is proposing to the man. It happens. It's not tradition, but you know, some traditions are made to be broken. So fiancé. I spelled it with two E's there. You will also see it spelled with one E. The good news is they're pronounced the same way. Fiance, fiance. And let's take a look at this article here, though. If you are ever confused about which one you should use, I've highlighted this right there. So, especially given the increased social awareness of non-binary gender issues, when you see non-binary, that means there are some people who don't identify as a man or as a woman, or sometimes they identify as a man, sometimes they identify as a woman. You might also hear gender fluid because In English, we are trying to get away from words that have gender. Instead of a policeman, we say uh, an officer or a police officer or a police person. So trying to take the um, waiter, how about somebody who brings you your food, waiter, that waitress, male and female gender, you might hear server. The same is with fiance. I think the most common spelling now would be with one E. But if you want to put another E on there, that's fine too. And uh, you can see right here that it feels a bit old-fashioned and out of date if you have any difference between fiance and fiance. Same pronunciation. You can just use this one right here, fiance, if you would like. 
for both a man and a woman. So I didn't want anybody to be confused when they were looking up this word. The two E's is fine. It usually refers to a woman, but it's not a big deal if you add the extra E. And it only matters if you're writing it, right? So fiance, that is what you call a person who has been engaged to marry another person. Fiance. She is his fiance. She is his fiance. Let's check the uh, chat just to make sure there are no questions. Ah, so <laughs> lackadaisical. I'll pronounce that word here in a minute. So Manuel says he has never had any siblings. So we would call Manuel an only child. So that is what we call a person who has no siblings, an only child. And you know what? Manuel knew that because he wrote it there. He wrote it there. Shacham, how are you? Welcome. Ah, Italian with songs is here. Always love reading your comments. Italian with songs. Laxadaisical. Easygoing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with love and relationships, but uh, I wanted to pronounce that. Laxadaisical. It is a fun word to say. Laxadaisical lackadaisical whoa does it Harone. fiance and beyonce they do rhyme interesting ah shakam right so if you are going to ask someone to marry you you could say they are going to pop the question thank you Ooh, a little bonus one right there uh, that's why i always need to check the comments there are some very good English learners in here, experts, I would say. And it, I love doing the live lessons so I can check to see what people are saying. Fiance, it does sound French, right? So many of our words in English do come from the French. You know, the French, they invaded England. I think back in 1066. So, so much of the English language has been influenced by the French. Nicely done. Lackadaisical. Oh, no. Yeah, that could have been. Uh, Mary Posa is saying, due to the problems with my knee and my ankle, I couldn't kneel down, I guess. Well, I could kneel down. I just didn't want to be too traditional. I don't know. And it is tradition also in the United States to ask the father of the bride permission to marry his daughter. That's the, that's the tradition. But there are also some people that say, hey, a woman doesn't need to get the permission of a man to do anything. So there's a difference between what is traditional and, you know, what is more modern? So, you do you, I guess they say. Hey, 
Megas here. How are you? Hope all is well. It's going, going. In, I hope all is well in India. It's going well for you. Happy birthday to your little niece. But she may be two years old now, two or three. I know she's young. I know she's young. All right. Plus one for Kwanzaa. Yeah, I think um, I might do a lesson on Kwanzaa. Um, so many people talk about Christmas, and I did a poll. It seemed like it was about 50-50. People who watch this channel celebrate Christmas. About 50% do not. So I thought, let's do Kwanzaa, where I think about 20 million Americans do celebrate Kwanzaa. And that might be a holiday you're not familiar with. So plus one. Thank you. Thank you. I do have a poll up on my Instagram, which there's probably a link um, in the description if you would like to follow me on Instagram. Oh, her first birthday. Well, happy birthday to your niece. All right. Now we have something called relative. This can get a little tricky. I didn't want to get too much into uncle, aunt, great-grandfather, but you could have relatives. I have mentioned this in this lesson already. You could have a relative by marriage or you could have a relative by blood. You will actually hear that. So if two people share the same DNA, like a father and a son, a brother and a sister, a mother and a son, mother and a daughter, you will hear they are related by blood. They're related by blood. Or they might be related by marriage. That's when you have sister-in-laws, brothers. The the plural is actually brothers-in-law, sisters-in-law, a mother-in-law, we will get to that probably in another lesson, but I did want you to know the term relative, which is a noun, but I have a sentence, but we could talk about related. They are related. You'll hear that as well. And that is a verb. So check out this sentence. They are not related by blood. They are related by marriage. They are not related by blood. They are related by marriage. The next one is the distant relative. Distant relative. So these are people that are not exactly in your family that you see often. You might hear terms like second or third cousin. Those are people that are not related to you in a close way. Maybe you've never met them, but somewhere down the line, you are slightly related by blood. Maybe you share a little DNA, distant relative. You might hear that distant relative. When you go to a family reunion, there are so many terms that I could have put in this lesson distant relative. These are not brothers and sisters, uncles and aunts. They might be second cousins. They might be great uncles. Those are some terms we use for distant relatives. 
And there is that verb, related. They are related. You might hear, they are distant cousins. Yes, they are related, but they don't share a lot of DNA. And we already talked about siblings. So here are a couple sentences that I hope will help with some terms we use for relatives, but in part two, we will go into more detail. But your cousin is a child of an uncle or an aunt. Your cousin is a child of an uncle or an aunt. These are relatives. Well, you may ask, what's an aunt? Maybe you know this already, but your aunt is your mother or your father's sister. And in English, we will usually take the first name and add uncle or aunt to it. For example, I do have some nieces and nephews, and they might call me Uncle Brent. Since my first name is Brent, they might call me Uncle Brent and Aunt Jamie. Aunt Jamie. Certain parts of the U.S., you will hear the pronunciation ant, just like the animal, ant. Uncle. Your uncle is your mother or your father's brother. Hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. And a sibling can be either a brother or a sister. Sibling can be either a brother or a sister. Sometimes you will hear a different pronunciation for one of those words. A sibling can be either a brother or a sister. A sibling can be either a brother or a sister. Brian, Uncle Brent, I have a distant relative in Columbia. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, Freddie, I don't think so. Yeah, and Jamie says the same thing. I have not heard that. Do uncle-in-law and aunt-in-law exist? No, even saying that, it doesn't, no, I don't think we would use that. I think people might understand. Like maybe if you were really, really close to a person who could be your uncle-in-law, but we mostly use brother-in-law, sister-in-law, mother-in-law, father-in-law. Those are definitely the, uh, the most common all right, I wanted to keep this lesson to 30 minutes to 45 minutes, and we are at 45, uh, we at 40 minutes right now. So I want to thank you all for joining. I hope you learned a little lesson. Uh, maybe you need to watch this again or check it out on the podcast. In a few hours, there will be some subtitles here. So that might help out. And I think I'm going to add chapters to this lesson. So if you want to fast forward to what sibling is or what proposal is, you will be able to do that. So thank you all for joining. 
and I'll see you real soon, maybe with a lesson on a Kwanzaa in a couple days. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Adios.